0: My
1: goodness me! Here it is, predictable,
2: well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed.
0: Hello and thanks for listening to episode 20 of Grassroots, the only rugby podcast dedicated solely to the women's grassroots game. In this skull-crushing hangover of an episode, we talk about end-of-season dinners. Fiona Brunt joins us to announce the Halbrough Shorts Prize winner and we discuss the day our team fell apart. Jez has a spray tan. Katie's sound is frankly dreadful. And we welcome Hez from the colourful East Dorset Dockers. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for five. And Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots.
3: How's the old Kennedy's life
4: going, Lou? Yeah, really good. I've actually got a night off today. Yeah, so you think you have. You'll get a phone call. Not recording live from the kitchen? Uh, No, not suitable to record from my kitchen. It was suitable to record from the rugby club kitchen because it wasn't busy. (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, mine's really busy.
3: Oh, I'm gutted I didn't get in at the weekend. I didn't realise you closed at five on Sunday. I didn't get to town till quarter past five. So that was tricky. And as it happened, not eating did not work out well for me. I paid the price heavily. It's all your fault.
5: How many pizzas did you consume?
3: I'll send you the picture of the pizza. But do you know what? I've decided that I am never stepping foot in the studio again because it only ever goes one way Sadly. and ends in disaster and usually some sort of taxi
5: calamity. I think you need to stay in the railway with the uh, sausage. I mean, now Sherry's confirmed that they washed the bedding. Do you know what? That actually is cheaper than me getting a taxi sometimes. But think of the benefits. You wake up steaming still. You get a cooked breakfast, a hot cup of tea, no children licking your face. What's not to love mm. for twenty eight quid?
0: I feel like I'm totally missing a part of this conversation. Come on, do You just want to fill here. me in. So Casey you've been out on the lash again on Saturday, have you?
5: No,
3: Sunday. It was actually a bank holiday, so I spent the whole weekend with my family until Sunday night, and then I thought, right, I need to let rip and have a bit of me time. Ended up messier than planned, if I'm honest, and I'm now paying the price. But as it happens in the chat, somebody is looking for somewhere to stay after the end of season due this Saturday. Come in, and Sherry has revealed that you can stay at the railway 28 quid and that includes breakfast, aka a large sausage. you know that's what that's not that is? No, it's not bad at all. It's a taxi
0: it? home for me, 16 quid, and I only live up the yeah. road.
3: Well, mine's supposed to be 15, but I just keep getting mugged off. That's if I can even find a taxi.
0: You know where you get mugged off, Katie? Because first of all, you get in a taxi with the biggest pizza known to man, and then the second thing is you probably make them stop to piss in a bush somewhere on the way home. So
3: No, I just think I look like... The Shit-faced. paint <laughs> really me. Actually, that's just the way I look. I'm actually okay. No, you are never okay. I just think it's prejudice. <laughs> and actually, Scott doesn't believe me that actually the reason I always end up being sick when I get home is actually I suffer really badly from travel sickness, obviously.
2: Yeah,
5: <laughs> and Scott's just not buying that it's travel sickness. No, um, neither am I, I, think I. the three of us, we're all in with uh, Scott there. I'm agreeing with Scott. I don't buy it.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So you're telling me that you were travel sick on the walk from... <laughs> Harrison's to the red line that time yes did you get a taxi that 300 yards
5: god damn that to go in those heights and that set that descent any any form of motion creates travel sickness for me from
3: actually. the bench
4: to the door in um the rifleman
5: that was also very travel sicky i mean it's the yeah. swaying that obviously does it that motion that you've got going on well it's that arm-to-mouth motion isn't it i mean that can be really unstabilizing yeah
0: particularly the big bucks cafe
5: but
3: honestly the taxi journey sends me under and it's so windy back to my house as well so i'm either gonna have to drink less or relocate
5: kid free night i'd stay at the railway i'd be booking him for a
3: week yeah but i could also stay at the red cow
0: lou lives actually in nanswich and has about five spare rooms sure.
3: yes i'm just gonna stay at lou's yeah, house you're not <laughs> i love that
5: i love that you're
4: fucking not <laughs> Hello. You're not staying in my restaurant either. That can also fuck off.
5: <laughs> I'd be checking those toilets, Lou. Double checking What's those toilets. Oh, no! Well, actually, I think you're onto a money spinner there because they open like the Natural History Museum and charge people a fucking fortune to sleep overnight. What you could do is open up Kennedy's and charge people a fortune to sleep in your restaurant overnight. Make some ghostly noises. Ooh. Get someone to run through with a white sheet over them. Perfect. quid yes. ahead. Until yeah.
4: they see behind the bar all the booze and all the beers. I yeah. detail. detail.
3: Yeah, people. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Lou. I think we'd, you'd, we're all about the history. Yeah,
5: yeah um, you know, Naughty Nick Brown burnt our town down. You know, all of that stuff. The bear. Yeah. Release the bear into the pub. Recreating Nantwich fire? No, no. We
3: could relive the Nantwich fire from Burn Down. <laughs> burn down Kennedy's? <laughs>
5: Fucking hell! Yeah.
3: I see why you might not think it's a good idea. To be honest, lou And if I'm honest, I, I'm not sure I'd want the responsibility. But I can't wait to go to Kennedy's.
5: Right. Surely you lot have all booked in for post-end-of-season brunch at Kennedy's, uh, where you're oh all looking God. like zombies sitting at the
3: tables. That would be a great idea if I wasn't playing for Cheshire on Sunday.
5: Oh, there
6: it is. There it is. Are you playing for Cheshire, Katie? You've
5: not mentioned it. (laughs) I haven't. I've kept it quiet. I haven't even been picked. Have you got some Cheshire wanker kit? What, like you? Yeah. No. No. I have not gone full kit wanker. We only get a t-shirt
3: and I didn't take the option of ordering anymore because I thought, I remember what you look like.
5: Excuse me. I think you're confusing me with Jodie. I never once wore my full kit wanker. you did buy it all. I know
0: you did. No, no,
5: we got given it. What? The only thing that we didn't get to keep (sighs) was the fucking socks
0: you didn't get to keep the socks
5: no no, we got to keep the socks so i got i got a rucksack i got a waterproof top admittedly they got me initials wrong they put hyacinth joyce on rather than end joist <laughs> but happy days doesn't matter i got joggy bottoms the ones that make you look like you shit yourself and a pair of socks which
3: ones are those are those the
5: skinny ones the skinny yeah. ones yeah they're like the mc hammer pants with the really oh, drop I love com- them. oh i'll send them here. you can have them i'm never gonna wear them am i not in north wales no, because do you know what we have to wear after the game? Khaki and, and a
3: shirt. No, navy. Who has navy trousers or a navy skirt? I have navy Somebody trousers. Somebody in the navy. Yes. Should I? Well, actually, my nephew's in the navy. Maybe he's got some sort of outfit that I could borrow.
5: New look chinos. Go in there. 12 quid. Jobs are good. And we got given the shirt as well. All oh, right. Well, you shut up with your fucking
4: free stuff. Right? I had to pay for everything. So do I, Lou, which is why I've gotten none. And we... Had to wear khaki trousers.
5: But the one thing I would have worn, because I'd wear none of that, is the shorts. And they wouldn't let us keep the shorts. I mean, I even did say I'd pissed in them, but they still made me to give them back. They
3: did say we haven't got any budget for kit last this year, because some wanker called Hyacinth Joyce took all the free (laughs) (laughs) stuff in one bundle.
0: And pissed in it. And pissed (laughs) in it, yeah. Yeah. You've been stealing kit from other clubs too, Joyce, not just Cheshire.
3: Yeah, we
4: don't talk about that. Right, Katie, you're going to have to turn your volume down, babe, because
3: you're blasting my ear rolls out.
4: You're
0: blowing out. Like this? Yes, yeah, right. Just stop scratching your beard on it.
3: I know, I need to get that waxed off Saturday. <laughs> See. Need to make an effort.
5: (laughs) Just give it a comb to the left.
3: (laughs) Or
4: just put a bit of extra foundation on. I'm sporting a few new burns on my arms, which will
5: make me look really special for Saturday.
0: You look like you've been self-harming. Yeah,
5: Either that or looks like she's been tied up in some weird sexual activity. Some Big Baps cafe.
0: Well,
4: if only, but no. (laughs) It's just hot oil and burger burns. And there's no
5: innuendo there. sexy bastard, Lou. (laughs) Honestly, seriously. Stop with the sex chat.
3: How do you cope with dietary requirements? Because this end of season do sending me under. Just had another person. Oh, I forgot to tell you I'm not dairy. Oh, sorry, but tough shit. You were supposed
4: to tell me last week. So yeah. actually, we've made a big deal of making a really bespoke vegan menu. And there aren't actually many places in Nantich that do that. Having said that, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. Also, <laughs> working on the gluten-free menu... But having to do gluten free and vegan at the same time is somewhat.
5: Of a oh my Christ! Don't you just just go and go to the lowest denominator so it's just basically green. You have leaves? or a tortilla. Yeah, just a yeah. trough.
0: <laughs> a Give trough. them a trough full of oh. fruit and veg.
5: It's panicking me because I don't want to be the death of someone. They haven't got intolerances. They're not allergic. They're not going to swell up like the girl. No, we not well talking well about vegans.
3: We've got a celiac in the house. You know, that's the last thing we need. I need on my conscience. They can
5: bring their own tupperware, can't they? When I say in
3: the house, I don't mean in my house. I just meant <laughs> in the party house. Put <laughs> a massive big sticker on, their, on the table plan, so they're going to feel really special. But, I mean, they have these ailments. Hopefully it's not a GDPR right. issue.
4: We've got a vegan, we've got a celiac in the house, we've got a
3: celiac, everyone passing down <laughs> the hatches. Honestly, there's so many. We've had poppy seeds. Who's allergic to poppy seeds? That's actually someone on our team, would you believe? shellfish? I was like, you'll be lucky, <laughs> what we're paying. Oh
5: God, there goes the oysters we were going to put on for everybody. <laughs> so you know how we always
3: have soup at the end of season yes, do? Unfortunately, and yeah. Obviously, we have so many. I could, I could have, have told
5: you this. From my experience from organising an end of season, do the thankless task that wants to make you take your own eyeballs out with a cold spoon and
3: then Mm. stand on it. But do you know what? We're actually on the home street. It's been okay. There was a. I think we're doing all right. Well, there is one
4: very senior person in the rugby club who doesn't like anything
5: with veg. So. (laughs) And if you do put peas on, they can't touch his meat.
3: Yeah, They can't
0: touch his meat.
5: No one wants to
3: touch his meat.
0: He needs peas.
3: Just while you chat, I just need to go and. um... Check my kids have had a shower. I've got the pajamas on.
0: This could take a while. So probably <laughs> had a shower, but in mud.
3: I know. I am the child of the house. <laughs> Scott is the only adult. I'll uh, go and check on them. I won't be. No, mind. All this right. is
5: Katie checking on her kids. Have had a shower. This is Katie who hasn't probably brushed her hair in twelve months.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just to go and see some kind of sheep shearer. Sheep shearer. Yeah.
5: I totally forgot about
0: yeah. chef yeah.
4: life. You know, because I get home now after work and like oh bloody hell, smell of food, need
5: a shower instantly, this is not okay, (laughs) I smell of burger. When I used to do a very little bit of chefing, it's not chefing, it was wimpy, I had no appetite, because flipping burgers, I felt like I'd eaten constantly all day. Yeah, actually, it's it's a massive
4: thing. The weekend, was so busy, and I cooked so much food, I realised that I actually hadn't eaten anything for two days, and I didn't feel hungry either, which is a bit of a worry, really, but yeah, I'm trying to change that and take like a, a porridge with me in the morning before we started cooking and i know it's not very healthy but i've got some ready meals that included veg for when i get home
5: well, i think that is isn't it that's chef it's life isn't it's it? chef yeah. life
4: but i mean on the positive i have lost over half a stone in the last few days <laughs> you really? yeah really
0: yeah yeah
5: matt this is not a diet for you you don't need to be doing this
0: yeah go and work 70 hours a week in the kitchen yeah.
5: Yeah, sweating it yeah. out. Yeah,
0: wait. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, I've done the opposite, having gone on tour with the under thirteens and under 15s this weekend.
4: What you've put uh, my so diet long?
0: comprised? Oh, seriously, I can equate it to a situation where parents have finally been around other highly functioning alcoholics and realised that I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's the only way I can and describe also it. Also in
4: charge of many, many children at the same time.
0: Yeah, but it was like, the children, there's enough of them, so it's safety in numbers, so there's a good chance if one of them dies, we can just blame the other children rather than our incompetent parenting.
4: Your drunken parenting.
0: Yeah, but we started on the beers at half eight on the bus on the way down to Worcester.
5: Yeah, that's it. Tour rules. Drinking from the left hand, I hope, only.
0: On the hour, and then we had to switch to other hand when the hour turned. I was relatively conservative and managed to drink five cans before I got to Worcester, which is... Just over an hour, by the way. The people sitting next to me had at least that and a bottle of wine. Whoa, that was Adam then. No, exactly. We then had a rugby tournament. I was kind of sort of coaching, so sort of being good until somebody decided that actually the rules that were in place about not taking beer onto the pitch were not being enforced. So we went on a little recce to raid the bus of more beers. So that increased our intake a little bit more. We then went to... Saracens against Worcester at, at uh, Six Ways. Um, can not
4: afford any more beers.
0: Well, it wasn't too right. bad, actually. Fair play, Six Ways. Anybody from Worcester listening, best match food I've ever had. Ooh. Steak, chimchurri sauce, skin on chips, cooked to your liking. Absolutely delicious. But of course, you know, wet the appetite for yet more beers. So I think I finally bailed out at half one in the morning when I was starting to hallucinate and i was one of the first to go to bed so that's what it was like of course woke up in the morning bizarrely feeling okay the one thing i learned over this weekend is drinking all day seems to be better than drinking for only half the day
5: it doesn't hit you so much on the hangover Mm. when i went the army and navy on saturday a they'd run out of guinness wow they, I don't know. Um, I think they were limiting the alcohol, to be honest. It was a bit flat, the atmosphere. And they closed the bar at half five. But um, I didn't have many pints. But what really knocked me and gave me the kind of the equivalent of a hangover was just the late night. Yeah. <laughs> Too old. It was literally the lack of sleep that I woke up feeling like I'd had about 15 pints. So once you're over 40,
4: yeah. that's it. Once you hit o- <laughs> oh, post <definitely>. 10 p.m. <sighs> and you're out still... Oh, God.
0: Out, out. It takes a
5: long time to recover yeah. from that
0: shit. It does. Do you it know does what? I think probably
5: I am like, what, today is probably where I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, Back me too, it. actually. Yeah. I slept quite well last night, but woke up to the most unpleasant dream ever. It was a dream which involved a lot of weird shit, but also me sleeping through my very important 9am meeting that I have every Tuesday. So I woke was up in dream? absolute panic. This is the thing. I woke up in absolute panic because it was so real.
6: You thought
4: you had
0: luckily, the adrenaline gave me the kind of boost that five espressos <laughs> gives me. So I was sort of fairly alert by the time I actually got some clothes on and, and at my desk. So, but no, rugby tour with under 13s, and under 15s is an exhausting but fairly amusing experience. Sounds like
5: my idea of hell. really. Do you find that having to be, as it sounds awful post COVID, being sociable to so many people, you know, you've got to really make the effort? That's exhausting, isn't it?
0: You just got to single out your people, I find. Yeah. Once I isolated who my people were, it was good fun. I think Annabelle was particularly nonplussed when at uh, one in the morning, Joe gave her a scrum coaching session.
5: Do you think Katie's laid down, given a story and fallen asleep?
0: <laughs> you probably found them having a shower in, in some kind of mud pit outside <laughs> rather than in a natural shower.
5: In the her children, yeah, yeah, pissing on each other. Yeah.
0: Hez, thanks for joining us. Anyway, so I'm joined today by Hez Bolden. She is a player and manager, is that right? It's East Dorset Dockers.
6: Vice captain, yes. So I am a player and vice captain, and I also do the um, ladies' fixtures for East Dorset Dockers based in Bournemouth, yeah.
0: Ah, fixtures, that sounds to me like the most frustrating job in the world.
6: It keeps me out of mischief, Matt. I've only just taken this role on in the last few months. Obviously, with all the developments of COVID, our season's been very sporadic with not having four games every week, a bit of a stop start season. It's all about communication, all about, you know, making sure that I've got the right person to speak to, networking out to them, and arranging the dates for home and away fixtures. But I guess because I'm quite a proactive person, and it's probably why I've got the job <laughs> to make these games happen for the team.
0: Yeah, 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 So tell me a little bit about East Dorset Dockers then. Uh, before we start, actually, I'm going to do a little bit of a confession. East Dorset Dockers are very much on the podcast radar as having the best kit in the whole of the UK. A hundred
6: percent, yes. And one of our uh, pod
0: members, <laughs> Sherry, is absolutely fixated on getting one of your shirts. Right. So we've had a little Instagram exchange with whoever runs your social media about doing some ridiculous exchange programme with some various bits of stash that we've got in exchange for a shirt so I'm sure I'll be asked again about this next time I see Sherry but tell me a bit about your team yeah
6: sure well go on to the shirts first they are the most flamboyant shirts ever they are they probably put seven shirts to shame with our bright pink and fluorescent colors we certainly stand out on a team and obviously bright pink is one of my favorite colors so I've got all the accessories to go with it you can't miss me on a pitch either so East Dorset Dockers they've been around for a while so basically (laughs) it's an amalgamation of East Dorset and then Dockers. They came together as one. I've only been playing for the the ladies team now for nine months. And a lot has happened in a positive way since I've joined. So previously to moving to Bournemouth last year and and joining um, the the ladies team, I played at uh, Windsor RFU uh, for Windsor Dames. I was there for eight years, just giving them a bit of a big up as well. Uh, They're celebrating 100 years this year because I went wow. back to Windsor this weekend. Congratulations
0: on the women's team as well, are they? Uh,
6: no, not the women's team. So basically in total for the men's teams and the overall club it's 100 years old. The Windsor Rugby Club has the pleasure of playing wow. on the most magnificent playing fields which look onto Windsor Castle. So everybody that comes and plays us just is astonished by the amazing view. And as I said I went to Windsor this weekend, I was I've been asked to write a, a little piece about my 8 years there. I was with the team from a a very early age of when the team developed nine years ago, 10 years ago as a development squad, to help build that up. We then moved from a development side to a league side. We won two RFU national plate medals and cups mm-hmm. um, in my time there. Plenty of socials and plenty of coverage. The girls played yesterday as well, and they've got their final game next weekend. So that's just a bit of potted history about my sort of my previous life at Windsor. Here at East Dorset Dockers, I have to say it's one of the, the best sides I've played for. Uh, the lads really welcome you, the club is really welcoming. I've also got heavily involved with doing a lot of recruitment since I started. So I organised the Inner Warrior session a couple of months ago. We had six new girls that turned up for that and all of wow. them signed up so they're all fully fledged paid members wow. um they play f- it's fantastic yeah they played their first game with us a couple of weeks ago and all did extremely well. We had a new are weekend. you in a league? Is it? A- well, we are in a league, but we're in a very sort of development league because we haven't really been in a so-called league before. You've got to start off somewhere. So I've taken a step back to go down from a higher league to come to a lower league, which is great because, you know, it's giving me as the experienced player guidance to the inexperienced players. Um, and obviously with these newbies on board, it's good to give them the assistance and the, and the coaching that they need. But the plan is hopefully for next season to move up to a, a higher league. Not sure what the plans are, that that's not my remit, but we've come on leaps and bounds with the development of the girls. The dynamics of the team is amazing. You know, we're all great friends on on the pitch, but also really good friends in, in the social aspect we're also very very well known for our socials we do things at the, at the rugby club we do things in town it's all about keeping that morale and as the season is nearly coming to an end i'm keeping the fitness levels going over the summer so we're doing fitness sessions outside in the sun we're entering into a couple of sevens tournaments including fat bloke sevens which is in july in reading i've been going to that for the last 10 years but it will be a new experience for my team. And then it will be pre-season.
0: Fantastic. Sounds like it's, well, so far a successful journey. What have the challenges been so far with this uh, this new setup? I mean, obviously merging two teams comes with its cultural challenges sometimes, doesn't it?
6: Yeah. I mean, obviously it happened a good few years ago now. So that was way before my time. But, you know, the, the lads teams have grown really well as well. So it's not just our, our ladies. I think, you know, in the time that I've been there, so the last sort of nine, ten months, The challenges have definitely been 100% COVID. We've had games cried off because the opposition, some of their players have had COVID. We've had to cry off games because some of us have had COVID or, you know, we're not allowed to play because of government restrictions with contact sport. So those have been a real challenge, obviously, for the last two years and, you know, still up, up to now. But we make the best out of a, a situation. You know, if we haven't got a game, we will do lots and lots of training. The week before a we game, it's obviously game head on, game plan on. What are our tactics and our game strategy is going to be? And then it's just making sure that everybody's on the same page. Anybody that's got any injuries, we're getting them strapped and taped up by our lovely physio before the game. And just making sure that everybody enjoys themselves because, you know, we're doing this out of the love of our our hearts and the love for rugby, really, giving up our Sundays.
0: Totally. And from your perspective, Hez, you're obviously very passionate about the game. What got you into it and you know, what do you feel like the game's given to you personally?
6: A long story, but back in the day after I graduated, I lived in Reading for a bit. So I joined a club called Reading Abbey. Very sort of early days of, I've never picked a ball up. I literally went to go and watch a lads game and I was like really inspired by rugby and kind of got into it that way. Then the ladies team was, was starting up. So I thought, I'm going to give it a go. Um, for me, number of benefits to why I continue to still play rugby be, even though I was going to hang my boots up about two years ago. I think a lot of it is very family orientated. The girls in every team that I played for, I like a family. doesn't matter what age, what background you are. We're all in it together. We're a team. It's not an ice sport. It's a team sport. It's all about having a love and a passion for the same thing. We all love playing. For me, it's, it's kept me mentally fit as well. I do suffer. I have suffered from you know, a few mental issues in, in my past. And I think sport is definitely a mechanism to help me, especially being outside and running around and exercising and being with people that you want to be with on a social aspect. And also, I think generally it just brings everybody together. You know, the, the passion of it, whether you win or lose. You learn from it. Rugby is a very educational sport. You certainly need to have your wits about you and be prepared to get beaten up. <laughs> Believe me, if, if you haven't got a couple of bruises on your body after a training or a game, then you haven't played hard enough.
0: You touched there upon the... The fact that you have to be prepared to take a few bruises and a few knocks, is that's one of the big challenges trying to get new players into the game, isn't it? They have this concern or this anxiety that they're going to take a few knocks. And the reality is you can't look them in the eye and say, with a clear conscience anyway, that you're going to be fine and you're not going to get injured. How do we go about protecting the new players from serious injury but also being honest with them about the dangers
6: the stigma unfortunately with ladies rugby is still there that the number of people that i speak to and it's not just could be in the pub as of last night or it could have been years ago the stigma with ladies rugby is oh do you play touch rugby and i'm like nope and then, as soon as you say you play contact rugby, they're like, oh, wow, you, you don't look like the sort of person that could tackle someone. Again, you know, they look at me, I'm five foot eight, I'm tall, I'm slim. Yes, I may not look, look like a rugby player, but a rugby player hasn't got a look anymore. You know, this is the whole thing of the whole stigma that you've got to look big and you've got to be this and you've got to be that. It's completely wrong. You can be any age, any shape or size and still play. When we get newbies on board, you know, 99% of them, are coming on board because they know it's a contact sport. And when we advertise it, we advertise it as a contact sport. So it's not like they're coming to a training session or signing up just to play touch. And also when we do our um, inductions with the newbies, we would never, ever get them involved in tackling in the early stages. It's literally, we will do the tackling as the more experienced players if that's what we're doing in training. They can take a step back and watch us from a sideline, see how it's done because tackling is such an art. It's a very, very dangerous thing if you get it wrong. And we've seen that in grassroots level. We've seen it in um, premiership level, World Cup level. You get that one hit and it's wrong and it can be very severe. With all the new laws that have changed in the last few years as well with concussion, that's also a very big thing as well. Unfortunately, I've suffered from concussion about mm, two or three times now, and all of it has been delayed. So it's never happened there. And then during a game, I've had it like three or four days later. And oh, it's just the weirdest feeling ever. And I don't wish it upon anyone. But it's then for the love of the club physios or the doctors or whoever to say, yep, time out. You're not playing You know, for t- two weeks because we need to assess you and you've got to have some you know, relaxation time. So with the newbies coming and you know the injuries and especially tackling and things, we glide them into it very slowly. No one will be tackling without a gum shield in. And then over time, we will do start with the tackle bags as a soft introduction, and then further down the line, it will be you know the full hardcore tackling, person to person, knowing where they've got to be on the body, what their position is, how how to go in and how to come out again, and to drive it. All of it doesn't happen overnight naturally in a game sometimes and it it's happened to me i might go a little bit high on a tackle and you then take a step back and go oh right okay i shouldn't have done that luckily i've never been yellow carded but it's the adrenaline and it's in the moment situation you know that's why we do training that's why we religiously train to learn these things
0: this stage of the season can be quite dangerous for injuries actually mm. because i think teams are a getting tired from a long season And B, what happens in my experience is teams that are facing promotional relegation uh, often find themselves having to chase fixtures to, to keep up and not get kicked out of the league. So I've seen it in a number of occasions where teams have put brand new players on the pitch well ahead of when they're ready to do so just to fulfil a fixture or to try and stay competitive yeah what advice can you give to coaches that might be listening that are facing those sorts of situations
6: well not in this team but previous teams that I've been in the past you're 100% correct everybody's getting knackered at this point in time it's like a couple of games left or a lot of my friends that play in other teams have now finished their season but bearing in mind there are still the odd team including ourselves you know we've still got a few games left etc you're getting tired mentally and physically Um, The injuries are, are starting to creep up. Our last game, we had one, two, three girls that came off injured, not severely injured, but for different forms of injury. And then it is literally, you know, I'm vice captain, I had to go and take over the team for the last 20 minutes as captain. And we were losing, but it's all about bringing that motivation back in because a lot of those players were newbies as well. So I didn't want them thinking, oh, no, I hope this is not the standard and we're we're bringing it down. They weren't. It's all about keeping that positivity up. I'm very, very good at doing that. But with regards to, you know, trying to get those last few games in the books, and with the players as well. I think everybody's got to have game time. If you're very fortunate and you you get your best players on who are experienced with a a mix of maybe newbies as well, and then a load of newbies on the bench, even better. But for instance, our team, we haven't quite got those numbers in our team to be having a big bench at the moment. We're playing people that obviously can play. We're not putting someone who's severely injured on for the game because they can't play anyway. And I think it's just a matter of just people being upfront and honest about their injuries we've got the support of the physio at our our rugby club who's there to do private sessions she's there before a game during and after a match and I think if you're mentally fit and you you are fit enough to play you just go for it but I kind of don't think it's right if teams are pushing players that when maybe a, a certain person you know could be a a doctor or a, whoever the physio has said, you know, you can't play and then they go on and they still want to play. Everybody's at different levels and did different. Yeah, I totally and, agree. Yeah. It's the clubs and, you know, the, the club's decision. They've just got to make the right choice. Absolutely. The Individuals need to be safe as well and not overdo it just because it's one or two games left in the season.
0: Totally. I think it's quite easy for players to talk themselves into playing because Mm -hmm. they think they're helping the team out. You know, as a coach, sometimes you think, we'll see how they go.
6: I think it's almost better for them not to play if it's quite a bad injury.
0: It's often the, the more experienced players that take the most risks. As a player, I've played with injuries that I probably shouldn't have done before because I think, well, I know my own body, I'm rugby competent, I'm tough, all the rest of it. And you know that injury is not great. And you just think, look, I'll be all right. I'll strap it up. And that's when you can see injuries that can prematurely end people's careers. So I think it's really important that coaches don't push even even their best players into playing. And often the better players are their own worst enemies, aren't they? I certainly, one of the pod hosts, Molly, she's extremely good rugby player, extremely tough character. She ran through brick walls to play for the team, but there are times where, as a coach, you have to say to her, look, even though you are the difference between winning and losing a match sometimes, your ability to play for another three seasons is more important than winning one game.
6: Massively. That's what needs to be reinstated within the culture and the ethics of a, of a club and a team, is that we don't want to lose all the players because they're doing another sport, if you can't do it, you can't do it, and you're not letting anybody down, we would prefer you to be resting and taking easy and then back for, say, another game or back full fit and ready to go for for a new season in September. So, um, yeah.
0: I think sometimes teams think, oh, you know, being relegated is the worst thing in the world. It's not. Sometimes it's the best thing in the world. Sometimes it gives you that breathing space to regroup and to rebuild your team it feels like a kick in the nuts at the time Mm. and it feels like you failed to some degree Mm. actually going into the off-season getting over the upset of it and then full ball when you get into pre-season into the new league gives you a real sense of purpose and determination
6: yeah when I was at Windsor uh, we'd been in you know a reasonable league for quite some time. And then last season, it was decided or the season before that to for, for them to take a drop in a league below their previous one. For me, I've seen the, the transition. I've been in a higher league and I'm now in a lower league, but that's my decision. I could have gone into a higher league. But the exciting thing is that you learn from these things. So if you get relegated, demoted, it's not the be all and end all. It's actually... It's a regroup and it's a redevelopment of, right, well, what did we do wrong? How can we do better? And for us, you know, our plan is to grow this team. We've got a very, very good backing by our chairman, who is a guy who absolutely lives and breathes the ladies team with us at the moment. I've got a good relationship with him as well. I think he's promising very good things for the team and we're promising very good things to him. So, you know, if we can grow the team and get into the next league above us then for me that's such an achievement and then it's all systems go ready for September.
0: So East Dorset Dockers you've got a tough pre-season coming up by the sounds of it.
6: Well, I don't really know who we're going to be playing obviously. I don't think anybody knows who they're going to be playing yet for for next season, but uh, I'm already talking to the team and coaches etc about starting training early. One of the girls in the the team who's a PT, so she's going to start doing sessions at the rugby club outside for once, twice a week to get people's fitness levels up. Um, Also, we're going to be doing some touch rugby. And then at the end of April, we're going to start doing sevens training because a lot of the team haven't played sevens before few of us have and obviously we're going into this tournament in July and I don't want anybody going in rusty or not knowing what they're doing because sevens is slightly different to 15s so we're just making sure that everybody is prepared doing things earlier than later and then we'll all be super fit ready for July or August whenever pre-season starts.
0: Wow, sounds like you're much more organised than the majority of the teams that we're listening to. This—that's
6: <laughs> just me. I've been like that. I was very much like that at Windsor, and I'm replicating it again for this team. It—it it will pay off, you know. I'm putting a lot of hard work into it, or you know, as a team, we're putting a lot of hard work into it.
0: Has it sounds like that you're, like you say, a very organised person? You're very passionate. You're obviously very driven to get East Dorset Dockers to perform to the best possible standard, and so on. How do you retain your enjoyment? Because it can be a very thankless task, can't it, doing all of this work behind the scenes and having to deal with all the (laughs) the player availability issues and the problems that come up across the season. Sometimes it must feel like this isn't fun anymore.
6: I don't have that thought. I'm a very positive person. I mean, this really helps me distract myself from everyday life, from work, from any issues that are happening. I put another part of my effort into my rugby life and I love it I really enjoy it and yeah you know sometimes it's hard to do xyz but that's why I do it because I love it I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it and um, it's a challenge but I love a challenge and then when it's successful you've got a tick in the box and you you've done well the team appreciate it the club appreciate it and just want to do my best really.
0: I think if more teams had someone like you, then there will be a lot fewer cancelled fixtures. Let's put it that way. Lastly then, if anyone's listening that fancies joining East Dorset Dockers... Why should they come and play with you?
6: We are a very fun and sociable rugby club. We've got um, a very good retention rate of newbies coming on board. Um, we give them an, an induction. They come and meet the team. We don't throw you in the deep end. You'll you'll have a good couple of like low level training sessions with us, and then you get to see how it's done in the flesh. We are very very supportive as a club, so we welcome families, animals. You know, people bring their dogs to come down and and watch us. We've got a great bar. We show all the Six Nations and the rugby on our big TV screens and it's subsidised drinks for people that like cheap beers. Very good socials. So we do those quite regularly. We've actually got a um, dodgy shirt social on this this Sunday after our game. So worst shirts ever, please bring them out. There's many, many clubs here in Bournemouth, but we are sort of on the outskirts um, of, of Bournemouth Town Centre. Always looking for newbies and, you know, any time is a great time to join the club. Get that training, get that learning in, and then you know we'll be we'll be raring to go for uh, our new season in September.
0: Fantastic! And you forgot to mention on top of that, the best kit in the whole of the UK.
6: Oh, of course, the best kit in the the whole of the UK. You, you can't miss us if you go on Facebook and look <laughs> at East Dorset Dockers, ladies, or uh, just East Dorset uh, Dockers or RFC. You'll see the kit; it's the best and. I just love it. It's nice and bright. It's cheerful. I think we're hopefully going to be getting some new stash for the new season as well, so that'll be exciting. Hopefully, staying with the same colours, but maybe just a different design. Um, so you, you can't you can't miss us, and you'll be very proud to uh, to wear our kit if you joined our team.
0: Absolutely, and uh, whoever's running your social media, remind them that they promised Sherry. One of our podcast hosts a shirt at some point, so
6: I will let that individual know. I know who
2: she is.
0: We there's an exchange program afoot, <laughs> so I'll keep you posted. Thank you. You let them know, and uh, yeah, and and uh, yeah, you're you now the direct link for that because every single time I see Sherry, she says, "What's happening with that East Dorset Dockers shirt? I really want one." So <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll remind them.
6: Please, yeah, good.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Has listen been? Yeah, it's been great to chat to you today. Uh, Really enjoyed finally connecting. I know it's taken us a little while to get uh, the diaries organised and aligned. Um, But all of the best for the rest of the season. And, you know, let's keep in touch.
6: Definitely. Love to come on again. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much.
0: Remember last time we recorded, Mm -hmm. and in Lose News, you talked about how the Women's Rugby Network needed to sort their shit out because their admins weren't picking up on things. So, I'm assuming this is because they listen to the podcast, because naturally everybody listens to the podcast. But since then, they have very much tightened up their admin, meaning that I was unable to post the last episode. <laughs> so, no way.
4: What did I say? It was have you, have you been censored? Network. Like I you're was Russian. censored.
0: I got a note back saying my post had been blocked because it contained an image and was a website link. It's like, <laughs> right. So, I can't actually post our podcast on the Women's Robbie Network. So, those of you that are on the Women's Rugby Network and rely on that to find your episodes, well, first of all, you're not listening to this podcast because you haven't found it. And secondly, we need to find a way of dispersing it or we need to get permission from the admins.
5: need to give the admins a little yellow letters on.
0: Hello. We're actually Women's Rugby Focus. We're not just trying to sell you we're not, cut price Pakistani kits. We're not or
5: David from Pakistan.
0: Dating networks. I'm
5: just having a look on there, there's like some guy trying to sell kit. On there, Hello. so I didn't think you were meant to. Yes, I'm
0: oh, you're good. back. Good, that was quick. What'd you do? Just a couple of doses of cow pollen. There
5: we go.
0: Pollen if they get up, or well, the Christmas won't come.
5: meddy said that's used to put them to sleep. Yeah, but I mean, you can't get that anymore. No, yeah, we can't buy that anymore. No, no. Before the time of your
4: kids, love,
0: you probably get that from like dealers down Nanswich.
4: Jerry's yeah. probably got it stockpiled. She probably has, um, to be fair,
0: but mind you, she probably drinks it herself.
4: Do you know where uh, when my <laughs> restaurant was Harrison's, it was Harrison's Corner? Now apparently it's called Kennedy's Corner, (laughs) so maybe if you hang out on Kennedy's Corner, you could get some medicine.
1: (laughs) You went down through your contacts and went, "Who can I get to make a really unpopular decision?" I know. How about someone who makes unpopular decisions all of the time?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing because you're going to make you know one team very happy, Fiona, and about 140 teams feel like they've been hard done by
1: i know which is probably
0: the summary of your season isn't it really
1: it kind of is i actually went through and did the maths on it and i sort of stuck my finger up in the air and i I think i've done about 100 games in the last year and probably 50 decisions every game that i've made about 25 percent of which are contentious so either you know one team's unhappy or if, if i've done an absolutely Perler of a job you know maybe i've managed somehow to make both teams unhappy um i think (laughs) that's about 1250 decisions that i've managed to really piss a team off but this will be the first decision where i've managed to piss off 140 teams at once so it's quite a nice (laughs) way to cap off my season
0: That's a nice lead in actually but maybe some context for the listeners might be useful here. So thank you to everybody that entered the Halbro shorts competition. It was really well received. We had, well, as we just said, n- well nearly 150 entries in the end, all of which, well no, most of which were really good. We immediately bumped out the ones that showed no evidence of listening to the podcast. In fact, one team, who will remain nameless, actually referenced a completely different podcast. in the entry so no shorts for you but the big challenge was we just wanted to give everybody some shorts because reading through all the comments reading through all of the entries it was clear that these sorts of things make a real difference to teams not just as an emotional thing. At the end of every season, everyone feels a bit emotional and a bit wistful and a bit, wow, you know, I love my teammates and all of this and you forget about all of the availability ghosts. You forget about the away games in, in funny places and all this sort of stuff. And you suddenly feel a bit of love for your team. So we're going to give them something kind of really cool and, and also free at the end of the season. It's really cool. So we really wanted to give everybody some. What we try to do is think about a couple of things. one, Who's really made an effort with the application? I think that's really important to us that people took a bit of time because it is a valuable prize at the end of the day to actually think about why they should get something. Secondly, teams that we've really felt deserved or in some situations needed some shorts. So, you know, those that have been around for a relatively short period of time have been growing and shrinking, and growing and shrinking, or, you know, they've had some problems for some reason, or in parts of the country where. It's much harder to raise sponsorship and things like that. We really tried to think about the teams out there for whom it would make the most difference, really. So Molly, Lou, and and myself, and uh, Dubs, and and Jodie, we whittled it down as much as we could. And then we got to a critical decision point where we needed somebody that's calm, under pressure, that can really think through the processes of a decision. And more importantly than anything else, is used to everyone hating them. So (laughs) my immediate reaction was after the unbelievable reception to the interview we did with Fiona in the last episode, I thought, let's get her back on. A nice cool head under pressure and somebody that I think would like to make a team happy for once, even if it might have a nasty side effect of making some other teams very unhappy. So, So welcome back, Fiona.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to say that I felt calm all the way through this process, but I, the more I looked through the entries that you'd managed to whittle down, the less calm I got because I, I went, oh, that's, that's a great entry. And then I'd read the next one. Oh, no, that's also a great entry. It became quite difficult. But as you say, us as referees, we've got a pretty good way of sort of sorting through the problem. So in the end, I managed to get it down to five. And then three. And I'm pretty sure I know who my first choice is. All I can say, firstly, great work by Holbrook. Fantastic that they're prepared to do this and, and to give out some shorts to teams that really deserve them. And we all know that it's it's a really important part of feeling like you're there on the pitch and you're doing something with your mates that you love. If you feel like you look the part as well, I think this is brilliant. And if Halbro are listening, maybe we need to do this again because I think there are too many teams uh, around the country that could really, really use these shorts. That maybe, you know, if you don't get the short to the teams that are there, let us know if you're fundraising. I'd be interested in seeing a link for that.
0: So before we announce the winner, a couple of questions. First of all, how's your season been?
1: Well, firstly, it's not over. I keep thinking it's over and then I get another few appointments, but it's been really good fun. Genuinely, I've been incredibly busy, which is what I like. I've managed to, touch wood, stay out of much injury. So I think I've only had a couple of weekends where I've not been able to do something. And yeah, I've traveled length and breadth of the country and I've had a really great time. How good is it that it's back? I kind of can't believe that its it was only last year that we were still in the middle of COVID. It's brilliant that we're back up and we're running and it's been great to meet all the new teams that I've refereed this season and I've, I've refereed a few and shout out to any of those that are listening. It was great to see that growth and I think it's particularly evident in women's rugby. I was talking to a couple of male referees yesterday and one of them said, it's amazing now on Sundays if you give a referee an option, they are far more likely to go, oh, can I have a women's game, please, rather than a kid's game. And before COVID, it was the other way around. That's a real testament to women's rugby and the women's rugby team and the ethos that goes through most of the teams that I go and referee. So massive shout out to women's rugby. It's it's just been brilliant.
0: That's great to hear. You know, I was watching the junior girls training of the day. And the skill level was brilliant, really, really top draw. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see the level of skill within the women's game at grassroots, right through to what we're already seeing with, uh, with Prem and beyond, taken massively forward. It really is going to inject you know, all the, these years of, of nurturing these little pools of players, right through millies and juniors, into you know under-14s, under-16s, and then obviously into the, the under-18s it's gradually starting to yield fruit in the sense that players are going into senior rugby with a skill set that was almost unheard of 10 years ago in the women's game. And I think that's absolutely brilliant and also mega exciting for those of us that are involved in it all.
1: Oh, 100%. I was lucky enough to be involved in the National Girls' Cup finals. So it was at six ways this year. And I was an assistant referee for both the under-15 girls' final and the under-18 girls' final. And there was some brilliant rugby on show and you can spot the talent coming through that you're going I'm going to see you in a Prem 15 shirt in a couple of years I was also uh, an assistant referee for the women's championship playoff and again brilliant rugby on show the future couldn't look brighter it's just shown by all the entries of these teams that have just set up or have only set up in the last few years and have already got full squads or even two teams out it's just brilliant
0: absolutely last question really before we get into the meat of the conversation so to speak kits then for referees i'm just thinking this a minute ago as you were talking you pretty much have to wear a kit specifically for reffing but also part rugby gear too how have you found that
1: so because my dad's a referee i actually sometimes am in my dad's kit not just looking like i am in it. My dad's kit. <laughs> I'm actually in my dad's kit. This year, our society did buy some female fit refereeing shirts, which is great, but we are still on men's shorts. And the problem that we have is actually we could buy women's fit shorts, but most of those women fit shorts don't have pockets. And it's ah. essential for us to have a pocket. Otherwise, we either have to have a spare whistle and our cards sort of shoved down our socks, which does make you look like you have a pretty awful growth on your leg. So it's, it's not a great option, men's shorts or a weird bump on your leg. So I normally go with the men's shorts. You're right. We are getting there with female fit refereeing kit. But at the moment, we're working with men's kit for the most part. So we'll get there. We could be kitted out better. bro, if you're listening. Could yeah. I please have women's fit shorts, but please make sure they've got pockets in them and deep enough pockets that when I run, my whistle doesn't fall out? That would be fantastic. Thank
0: you. Fergus, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. This sounds like both a technical, but also an important kind of rugby challenge for your design team. Although it'll be small volumes, they'll be widely received. Or here's an idea a rugby bum bag for specifically Ooh. for referees. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you could keep a snack in it too, can you?
1: Oh, what a great idea. Maybe. I reckon I might get the, the piss taken out of me even more if I turn up with a bum bag on, but we'll see. It's worth Depends a go. Depends on
0: the design, doesn't it? True. If it looks particularly good, you could get some kind of, I don't know, camo design or maybe some sequins on it, something a bit jazzy.
1: <laughs> Halbro, get in touch. We need to talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> here we go. So, Viona, talk us through your thought process and Who's getting the shorts?
1: So my thought process was very similar along the lines to what you set out, Matt, with how you whittled it down to the shortlist that you sent me. It was about, you know, all of the entries were good. So it was about trying to find where are these shorts really going to make an impact? Where are they really going to show these women or girls at these clubs that the wider community Want to help? And I think that was really important, you know, because this podcast is almost bringing together an extended team across the country and across the world, all the listeners. And these shorts, I'm hoping, sort of represent girls. These are for you with our blessing, with our support. Go out and really do a brilliant job. So, who's maybe needing a bit of a boost or who's obviously been struggling and these shorts would really make a huge difference. So, I got it down to three. And they were all fantastic, but I think for me, drum roll. Normally, when I give my decisions, it, it's a whistle and then a decision and no arguments. So
0: and then some jeering and swearing from the exactly, sidelines. Exactly.
1: Yeah. For me, the entry that really stood out as one where I think it's going to make a real difference is actually for a team north of the border. So Catherine Stokes is the Dundee Valkyries. Her entry was fantastic. She was talking about the fact they've got first team and they've got a second team. Well done to you, Catherine and and Dundee. But they only started up in 2019. But their second 15 don't have their own strip. So either they have the freshly washed and probably not completely dry strip from the first 15, or they're having to play in their men's kit. So I think it's going to make a massive difference to them. And Catherine and Dundee The shorts
0: are yours. Congratulations. Love the sound effect. Great, isn't it? Dundee, congratulations. Although I have to confess, when we had a meeting around the pub table a couple of weeks ago to try and whittle the list down, because we're planning a trip in September down to the Southwest, because the winner of our last competition, Launceston ladies, uh, have had their shirts delivered, which is fantastic. And we were gonna go down and meet them, take some photos, and catch up with extra Saracens who were in front of the pod on the way and maybe pop into Starbridge en route. So there was part of us that was going to try and engineer a team near them so that we could do it all in one hit. So Uh. thanks, Fiona, for sending us in entirely the opposite direction.
1: Well, it just proves that we didn't didn't discuss this before we recorded (laughs)
0: this. (laughs) Well, she spread the pod north of the border. She's also added hundreds of pounds to my fuel bill for actually going to visit them. So joking aside, I must admit, when I read the entries through, Dundee's entry was the one that stood out the most for me. There was some really really great comments in in loads of them but dundee's was really well written really gave the impression that it would mean something for the team and they need them and it will help them on their journey so thank you so much for entering and we really look forward to working with you to get these over to you hopefully in the next month or so and then we'll plan a trip before the the ice and snow sets in which is probably around the middle of august normally in dundee isn't it so
1: (laughs) i would imagine so yeah
0: it's only fair of that you come on that trip with us (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, i have to come even further for that I, yeah, look of course i will if dundee will have me i would be honored but i might need to take some time off either side yeah. that, that yeah. drive will probably kill me
0: <laughs> I, th- I think it would kill all of us but great you only listen, look, really appreciate you coming back on again that was really fun and as always best of luck for the rest of the season and um Thanks. you know let's uh see if we could find another excuse to get you on in the coming months
1: i'd love that thank you matt
0: So, end of season is always great fun and lots of work and effort goes into it. But it can also be the catalyst, the spark, that sends your team into a tailspin. There's a few theories there. I think it's because you've been together all season, you're a bit sick of each other, you need a bit of a break, and you've probably just played the the last couple of games of the season, which may have gone well, may not have gone well. But the bottom line is, if you're not careful, it's a bit of a tinderbox, isn't it, the end of season?
5: Well, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No no idea if I think every end of season's just run smoothly. Yeah, we've never had any issues or... Nothing to see here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, it was like an afternoon tea with the Royals. There was nothing. (laughs) Like a jubilee.
0: So for our millions of listeners, our team fell apart on the back of an end of season.
5: No, Matt, Matt, Matt. It didn't fall apart. It exploded. The whole club exploded. (laughs) The
0: whole club exploded. broke. (laughs) Some might say it was a, a purging... Some might say it was...
5: Survival of the fittest.
0: Of the fittest. I think it was
5: just immature
3: ejaculation. It would have happened.
4: Yeah, it's to be fair, happen. it would have done. It was like Mad Max. Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the Hunger Games.
0: It was the Hunger Games. It was the Hunger Games. It was a Hunger Games over a bowl of lukewarm soup, a terrine of chicken, and some overcooked I'll beef. I'll have you know
5: we did not have <laughs> soup that year. No, we mainly had vodka. Well, that was the problem. I think the end of seasons, because um, like you say, Matt, everybody is, you're coming either off the back of an amazing season and you've won games and you're being promoted or you've fought for a place or you've been the underdogs and you've really pulled out or you've had a shitter (laughs) And in which case, you're blaming everybody in your team and the club and anyone that actually makes eye contact with you. The other downside is they start really early. I I mean, I can't make hours just for the sheer fact that I work and can't get there at 5 p.m. to start um, my awards ceremony. But, you know, they start really early, which means your alcohol starts a lot earlier. I think that, and like you say, being with people for the whole season. Yeah, it's where people just let loose and the filter is kind of left at the door. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're also normally in like a neutral environment too, aren't you? Because I always think in your own clubhouse, there's a certain amount of respect for your surroundings, isn't there? You know, you've got your stuff everywhere that if it gets smashed up, you're going to have to fix. But when you're in a neutral venue, it's kind of somebody else's a problem. You
3: Just bit. trash it. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's the speeches. I think people get so bored, they just get leathered before you know it, people get out their seats and pile into the floor.
5: What if you think, if you're sitting people down from 5.30 till 8.30 and you've got someone fucking droning on... That won't stop talking, not naming any not names.
3: any names, but the last person was a right-poor bastard. <laughs>
5: that was <big>. me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing shots up at the front, shit-faced I was. I mean, it was shot roulette. There was only like a third that had shots in him. But I think, yeah, I mean, I limited everyone for two minutes, and that was it. If you, you literally, it, I'm just hooking you off the stage. You, you just need to get the stuff out. People want their award and on and off, that's it. Yeah, you clap, well done, off you go. But like you see, all you're going to do is you sit there, you're just going to keep pouring the alcohol and it just goes in. But I mean, it's a cultural thing with rugby, isn't it? The amount of alcohol that's consumed.
0: What's the pre-loading, isn't it? I think,
5: no, this year, plan is, although doors open at half five, if
3: you sit down at 6.30 and the band starts at nine, so that's not too long of a stint, and the awards, food, everything is going to be done.
5: Any boiling point or trigger put hot spots. I always find at Christmas as well, teams fall apart because you've had the excitement of, well, the bitching starts and the moaning, and not just women's, men's as well. I noticed, the years of doing chair that i was getting a lot more moaning round about christmas time because you'd had the training in you're all ready to go pre-season then you've either won some stuff or stuff's not quite going right and everyone's just getting a bit tetchy then christmas you have a blowout then you're kind of on the downward slope for the second half of the year and then end of season it all just kind of comes i don't know whether other clubs are the same or whether it's just ours i assume they are all the same that there'll be someone copping off with someone who shouldn't, someone's vomited on the bar, someone's had too much, someone's had to be carried home.
4: Uh, Somebody's told the there'll chairman be fights. exactly yeah. what
0: they think of him.
4: Yeah, exactly. Throughout all of this, Matt is blissfully unaware of anything that's happened.
0: That's because I am the funniest person in the world after a few beers, and I'm just That's not
4: true. holding that.
0: for like some kind of professional comedian. So everything around me in my peripheral vision is completely non existent.
5: To be fair though, on fallout end of season, I was blissfully unaware as well until eight o'clock the next I morning. I was blissfully unaware. So let's
0: away. let's kind of go back to the incident. We're not gonna name names because it's not fair on the people whose
4: lives who, who were
0: affected. Whose lives were ruined. Yeah.
4: Ruined Christmas. <laughs> but, uh,
0: <laughs> although actually going back to the point around Christmas, the thing with Christmas is there's a fallout, right? And then you get a period of goodwill to all men and family happiness. And you also have to, at the end of that period, you'll kind of go back to training and go, pick up the season where I left off. I think at the end of the season, particularly people who've decided they're going to leave the club anyway, just think, right, you're fucking having it. Right, uh,
4: I don't give a fuck. I'm saying what I think,
0: yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. They can unload, and then they can disappear off for three months. And then during that time... You know, they might leave and go to another club or not. But I think that's what happens. It's that knowledge that there's no training on Tuesday that they're going to have to apologise to everybody or anything.
3: Well, I think that makes it harder to come back, doesn't it? So if you cock up or you're a dick, you've got to go to training on Wednesday. You kind of end up rocking up, sorting it out.
5: Yeah, I think you're right. It, talking about our end, of, the, the end of season that we had, there was already a divide within the team, and there was already grumblings throughout the whole of the club, and and nothing that anyone had really done. That it had been a really tough season, a really tough season. Great
4: of personality, despite the fact that we won loads
5: of stuff. Yeah, despite
4: that. yeah, it's like
0: we win the league, win the cup. It's like that was a hard season.
5: <laughs> yeah, but I think there's that was probably one of the catalysts because there was um we'd had. Huge change in a club. So you know we'd, it'd gone from the men being this pinnacle team of amazingness and them not doing particularly well, losing points for a dick move that they did you know being you know having lots of red cards and yellow card discipline was really poor. both the first teams were men and women, if I remember rightly and, and everyone was kind of starting to blame each other and actually you know the women weren't particularly happy because it didn't feel like they had been recognized for what they achieved, and there was probably in some ways a little bit of jealousy from the men that they hadn't achieved it, so we'd already got. That bubbling pot of resentment going on and things were changing and then some of them did change quite quickly hopefully for the better now i mean i can look back and see what the club's achieved in the couple of years i've been out of it um and really proud of you left it's achieved
0: loads yeah since
5: i've left for change yeah (laughs) since i pulled the pin out of the grenade and lobbed it in and went see you motherfuckers
0: (laughs) that's a really interesting point actually that you know it was already bubbling because i definitely felt it and naively, I thought, felt like the end of the season was going to be one of those moments where everyone does the whole get drunk, sings, don't look back in anger in a big circle and talks about how much they love each other rather than what actually happened. So, Joyce, let's start with you because obviously, at the time, chair person or just chair, would you call you chair? What chair, were you? Uh,
2: chair. chair, yeah.
0: Okay. When you were chair at the time, at what point did you realise that all hell had broken loose?
5: I think. To just kind of roll back a bit. So there's been a lot of thing about the you know, the end of season, you know, we never had any room, we didn't get people going. It's like we'll change it up. What does people want? What did everybody hate about end of season? Oh, I don't like that it's not in town, but back. we changed it up. We put it in the football club, we got lots of space so people could do stuff, we made it a bit more slightly up market a bit so people felt they were getting value for their money on their tickets. We so we did all the things that everyone had asked for. When I noticed things were gonna possibly go a little bit wrong, especially from the women's team, and I'm trying not to name names here or really, really highlight, especially if they listen. I mean maybe they do, I don't know. But it's when they all arrived, a group of people in the same kind of outfits look that you kind of knew. And so the seating arrangements have been done harder than sorting out a wedding it really is making sure you're inclusive and you're not alienating people and you're not you know just picking wherever but they kind of changed that um so you kind of could already feel that going but it wasn't till probably about seven o'clock on the sunday morning when i had a what i think a message and then someone said look at facebook
0: i think that was me sending that message actually
5: yeah and my first thought was oh shit what did i do (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh shit what photo is on there of me <laughs> which tits have I got out bum and tits maybe which, tits, yeah. It's yeah. Totally which lamp posted <laughs> yeah which lamp post did I climb in Nantwich naked yeah, yeah like, so I, I only did that once and I wasn't naked and then it was kind of like okay let's have a phone call let's find out what's going on then it was like right we didn't have a director of rugby at that point so I had to call the head coach uh, and he came round still steaming and we sat over about, I don't know, 10 cups of tea thinking, shit, what do we do? This is this is quite significant for a club, not just the women's team, the club. In some ways, it was kind of like, well, if this was men, I'd just tell them to go in the car park and just sort it out. But there was a lot of emotion riding on it. There was huge amounts of emotion from people. I like to think I'm fair, but firm. And I don't really tolerate a lot of shit. And there was a lot of stuff that was just like, well, actually, you brought that on yourself.
0: Well, that was a big problem, wasn't it, from my recollection, was because the people that were involved in the situation didn't see it as one of those end-of-season rugby incidents where everyone just goes, ah, for fuck's sake, we drank too much, really sorry, shake my hand, Uh, let's never do it again, Uh, which is how things have been dealt with traditionally. It was like, no, actually, that's not good enough. We need more.
5: It was hung, drawn, and quartered. It became quite personal, but it became a, a kind of witch hunt In some ways, you know, I was hauled in front of the RFU, me personally, not the club. Me personally was hauled in front of the RFU. I was hauled in front of Sale personally. Why Sale? Yeah, yeah. There was loads of stuff that went on that just, I guess, was never public knowledge. And, you know, I may come out all, you know, guns blazing confident, but it really rocked me. It really did. You know, it really um, took the massive wind out of my SAILs. And I remember we were at the club. I don't know why. Was it the kids or something? And I think it might have been the president at the time that someone said something, and kind of had a go. And I remember the head coach and a couple of the lads literally flanking me and walking me out and just going, just go for a walk around the pitches. You don't need this. This is about the club. It's not about you. Mm. And and it it did feel like that. But I can understand there was emotion involved. Uh, To this day, it was half a dozen one ten and another, and a huge amount of alcohol, which you know is like like lighting the litmus paper sometimes. But it always felt that was premeditated in some ways, but the club came back stronger. And in some ways it probably needed to happen to let it all come out. I know when I took over as chair, I was very clear and said, you know, if I could, I'd build a, a round clubhouse so that I don't get talking in corners because mm. I won't tolerate talking in corners. If you've got a problem, come and talk to me.
0: Although ironically, that's kind of what started it all in the first place, wasn't it? It was the whole, you got an issue, come talk to me. So Casey, you're keeping very quiet at this point. What would you say your role was in this situation?
5: (laughs) My
3: role? (laughs) I think I was just an innocent bystander.
2: (laughs) Katie's role
5: was like the equivalent of Kofi Annan in the UN. Well, I'm sure it's my role. I think it's...
3: um, Shall we say it's the Hyrene role? Maybe a Hyrene role, yeah. And perhaps, I think, I'm still not 100% sure what I actually did wrong in that situation bizarrely but perhaps it was what i didn't say rather than what i did say the confrontation broke out quite difficult to to kind of stop two people from arguing when they want to so i think i just sort of wandered off
0: i seem to remember the comment was you stood next to scott with your arms crossed nodding in agreement <laughs> <Would> you- <laughs> wagging your finger saying i told you so <laughs>
2: No, I definitely didn't
3: wag my finger, but yeah, perhaps. Well, I was cold, so you know when you sort of cross your arms in default, and it did drag on. At one point, I went for I walked back to the venue to and came back, and it was still going. So yeah, I think it was
0: more what I didn't. To come back with a giant pizza. Yeah, I went
3: looking for a pizza. More what I didn't say as opposed to what I did say, but it was something that was bubbling all night, and it. I, I do think that some of the comments were brought on by those people. So it was very difficult to actually argue, aside from the fact that, you know, I was sharing a taxi home with him. I didn't need to get home. I've got some allegiance. To be honest, I think the whole thing just got blown massively out of proportion. It's actually a personal argument between two people not getting along. It didn't need to be a club issue. It was about two people that didn't like each other and having it out and you know there was valid arguments on both sides it wasn't to do with anyone else but the fact that so many people got involved meant that it did get blown into something I think that probably didn't need to but I do think it was unfair how much blame was put on Joyce considering she wasn't even there and what can you do in that situation you've got no valid no reliable witnesses everybody's got a different story they didn't even take no, place in the club
4: no reliable witnesses as in they weren't reliable because they were absolutely pissed. Yeah,
3: we were all smashed. I never expected it to be such a, a fallout. But I would say, you know, I think everybody's moved on to happier times. Like, you know, the people we're talking about, they're all playing for different teams now. They look like they're enjoying themselves. We have a fantastic team. I think it's been a tough season, but. In terms of team spirit, that's 100% there. I mean, socials have been phenomenal this year. Things happen for a reason. And the men's team thrived. And actually, I think the reason there was tension around it wasn't just because people were jealous of our success or we were annoyed that we weren't being acknowledged. The issue was, is that way too much smoke was getting blown up our arse. And I think we were getting a little bit too big for our boots. And I think that was probably led by some of the people that left.
0: That's a really interesting take.
3: We've all settled down a little bit in our place, you know, within the club and you know within the team, and we will get on much better.
5: I'll probably get shot down and hate mail for it, but talking about a, an institute that has been male dominated, especially Creanant, which is coming up to hundred years, and the world has changed, you know, dramatically. And what's you know what's acceptable, what was acceptable thirty, forty years ago, just isn't acceptable now that's throughout the whole of society that we, you know, we've changed. You know, there's probably some phrases that I would use from the 80s that you just can't use nowadays because they're so politically incorrect. Gives an example Joyce. (laughs) Well, no, I don't know. What did I call someone the other day? And I was just like, you can't use that. Um, I think my kids called me out on it. You know, we've got this kind of, you know, this massive attitude of women should be able to do everything that, that men can do. We're breaking down. The, is it the parity? We're going to drop down these things. And, but, and it's like, that's fine. We can do that. But you've got to be considerate of what stands before you. You cannot bulldoze in with your feminist women's rights. We have a right to everything and not consider everybody else. And there was a lot of that going on. It felt at times. And being a female chair, I was always very conscious that I was had to be impartial to everything. Because I didn't want to look like a you know, this massive feminist fighting for women's rights to play rugby and climb mountains and do everything else. It's just like for me, I didn't care that it was women's rugby, girls. It's just fucking rugby.
0: There's an interesting point there actually, Joyce. And I think it's that again, for fear of getting shot down, I do think that there are clubs around the country, and I'll include ours in this, where people actually go looking, for examples of, of inequality, sexism, and so on, where perhaps there aren't any, or maybe there, there are. It's more of an education evolution thing rather than a sometimes it's
3: just a bit of a generational change as well isn't it i believe that i champion women's rights all the time and you know people may or may not agree with me but i'm not one of those avid people that will you know i'll be out on the marches or whatever you know i played rugby for nearly 20 years and 20 years ago you know we didn't have access to the things that we do now and it's that constant working relationship that you build with your club and the people within the club that actually helps you to move that forward so things are changing but Sometimes I do get frustrated if I don't think there is a quality or things aren't changing quickly enough, I do. The first I hold my hands up to that, yeah. uh, and I've had many, many heated debates before. Yeah. But, but I also think that women's rugby has taken time to evolve, very much like the men's games has, and hopefully not at the same rate, because you know we don't want to lose another hundred years of playing rugby. But things can't change overnight, and I think we have to look at, and rather no, than totally focusing not. sometimes. Focusing on what we haven't got, we have to focus on what we have got and where we've come from. You know, organising this end of season too, has been hard work, but, you know, there's been several men from the first team that have helped, players from the second team that have helped, ladies that have helped, um, some of the old boys, of VPs that have helped. Loads of people have come together to put something on. Although I think you had a tough time, right. Joyce. I think you navigated us through the, the storm and hopefully... We're on sort of calmer
5: waters now. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think it was me. I had good people around me to make it happen. You know, And it, it was a massive change for the club and all clubs, I think. You know, suddenly, let's be really honest, um, a rugby club and, you know, our chats on the podcast for women, it's politically incorrect. You know, there's so much stuff that you just wouldn't broadcast normally and, and people will take offense at it. And it had to change. You didn't want people to um, go gung ho in. So it was a bit like, let's just take a step back. We'll move five forward, but let's just take a step back. So I think the end of season, yeah, for us as a club, it was an absolute shit show in many, many ways. There was so many things that went badly wrong and came out, but you got to learn from it. And I think the club did learn from it. They learned, we learned massively from it. I think a lot of people had to take a little inward look and think actually, you know, this isn't right. The committee took a look at it as well and kind of said, well, what can we do to make sure that actually alcohol is a massive input? But do we really want to be so focused on getting so shit-faced that these people can't walk? No, that's not great. We should be kind of giving totally a, a healthy environment for this things as well.
3: You're right. That's why we've um, decided it's going to be an alcohol-free
5: night on Saturday.
0: All right. So it's just heroin all around then?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Just straight <laughs> yeah. lines of joke. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing that probably is a separate discussion is rugby and alcohol. And, you know, is that changing? Should it change? Is it always going to be that way? Is that a barrier for some people playing, you know, that they they aren't drinkers but feel that they have to drink? You know, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole different discussion, really.
0: That's a whole podcast right there, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, yeah. I think there are times where it's oppressive, the idea. I mean, look, give you an example, I missed four years of rugby between uh, 19 and 21-22 at uni because the men's rugby team at war at uni were just absolutely over the top with it. Two things. First of all, have the money, uh, let alone the inclination to drink the way they were drinking. Do
3: you didn't fancy getting naked and slapping DP on your balls?
0: Not overly, <laughs> no. I'm up for hijinks mucking around as much as the next person and you know i enjoy a drink but they took it to excess, to dangerous success actually there were people that ended up in real trouble there's a lad actually that was very nearly kicked off campus in the first year for uh, the rugby initiation that he had no control over he went to it as everyone was instructed to got himself in an absolute mess ended up having an ambulance called and put through a disciplinary with the university to be kicked off campus which would have been a massive deal for him and, you know, that's, you know, that's like I said, a podcast in its own right. But the culture of boozing around things like End of Season does have its downsides. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock. I, the river. I, the tree. I am yours. Your passages have been paid.
7: Inch by inch. Play-by-play play till we're
0: finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where
1: legends
0: are made! Shez says... I
7: don't even know how bad that
0: is. What have you gone Just for? a
7: spray tan today, pedicure yesterday, makeup tomorrow, oh hair, I have had my hair bleached yesterday as well. A lot of prep goes into the end of season.
0: Plus three weeks of solid swimming.
7: Yeah. Every day, 30 lengths in 30 minutes. Do you think 30 minutes of swimming a day does anything? It's got to be surely.
0: We're certainly better than not doing it, I guess, isn't it?
7: I must be toning up. You use everything, apparently, when you're swimming. Every muscle.
0: Depends how good a good swimmer you are, I suppose.
7: What are you trying to say?
0: I think people who aren't very good use every muscle just to try not to drown, whereas people who <laughs> are decent swimmers, they kind of just float on top of the water.
7: It's always more intense when the pool's full because I'm swimming at people. So I, I ramp <laughs> it up then. On the busy days, I get 30-odd lengths in because I speed up as I'm honing towards someone who's dared to cross into my lane.
0: Is it? Are you in the outdoor pool in Nantish? Yeah.
7: Oh, it's freezing today. Absolutely but the temperatures. Yesterday, it was 23.6. I said, well, when I'm lying round the pool in Turkey with a mojito and it's 23.6, it certainly doesn't feel like this. When you're lying around the pool and it's 20 odd degrees and the sweat's pissing out of you, that's not what I felt <laughs> like in the pool.
0: No, <laughs> but if the air temperature is quite warm, then the relative difference in water temperature makes it feel cold, doesn't it? So it's like 25 degrees outside and the pool's 20 degrees. That five degrees is going to make you feel cold when you get in, but not to that degree.
7: It's more but- like minus 16. <laughs> I felt the ice crack. <laughs>
0: the breaking ice. Yeah, as I you? went
7: down the steps. I just spoke to Hareen about the end of season do, and she was just getting whizzed in for an injection. I thought she'd come down with something again, you know, dogging in Rembry and all that. I thought, hey, up, hepatitis. Turns out she's having jabs to go to Mexico. But, Molly,
0: yeah, she messaged me about 10 minutes ago saying, I'm at the doctor's.
7: Oh, she's not with child. That's going to ruin the do. <laughs> all that prep for nothing, yeah. just to sit and drink tonic water.
0: Bad times. How was the fake town? Did you have to go to a little salon? No,
7: the little salon. Was from it one of those here? robbing
0: jobs? Pop-up really? tent in
7: the
0: kitchen, yeah. Pop-up tent in the kitchen? Yeah. Somebody come and do it for you or just do it yourself? No,
7: they come here. 18 quid. Right? Yeah. A little tent in the kitchen. Rex went and got in it. He clearly thought he was getting a spray tan as well. Took me 10 minutes to get him out the tent, and that's it. I'm currently looking like, like Ray It doesn't make a mess of your kitchen? No, because it's all in an enclosed booth. You know those things that they used to do that out the fences? Yeah. One of those? Shh.
0: Oh, really? So it's not, you don't like, paint it on or rub it in. You actually spray.
7: You have to get in various positions and downward dog, you know, all that. No white bits. <laughs> in the tent. It's a bit like dogging, but inside.
0: How do you stop it from just dripping off?
7: Doesn't it? It's such a fine spray. Yeah. It's like putting deodorant on. It's that kind of spray. It's not wet like that. It dries the minute it's on you, but it's just a bit tacky. But you have to be very uh-huh. careful. Can't wash the dishes or anything like that now till at least Sunday, because any part of me that goes in water will lose a layer so I can't chance it.
0: That's a good thing then, isn't it? Yeah.
7: Yeah. It's good.
0: We'll have to I'll do tend around your way
7: if you want by.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd look good with the tantrum somehow.
7: Why? How do you know? You look like them bodybuilders, they ramp it up.
0: You don't see many ginger bodybuilders, do you?
7: Have your head shaved as well. It won't matter. You look like a BAFTA. That's what you'll look <laughs> it's like. It's
0: got statues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: So what's your plan for tomorrow, Batty?
0: I think half five, is that That was the time, wasn't it? Yeah, is that yeah. What?
7: I'm on your table, yeah. Kit is confirmed. Ah, we'll get there really. do a bit of name switching, spice things up a bit, put Cockhead on yeah. his own on the women's table.
0: So what's your plan then tomorrow? You obviously started getting ready like three days ago. Yeah,
7: it's a big job. I'm not being funny. When you look shit every Sunday, you look fucked because you've had a scrum cap on, you're soaking, you're cut to ribbons, you're sweating, you're purple, you're moist, all sorts of that shit going on. The end of season do is the day that you, need, you basically need to fly the flag saying, I can look normal this is why it's such a big job you've got a year's worth of shit to get rid of in one day <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing in the morning be staying away from anything wet because i can't get the tan wet and i'll have a shower about an hour before i go and get my makeup done because you have to take the top layer off but the longer i can leave it on before the more bronzed i'll look on the evening to be fair my dress is right to the floor so you're gonna, only going to see me boobs my arms and my face so i could have just had half a spray tan but never mind that's a bit funny you've only
0: sat down most of the time anyway aren't you so your legs are under the table
7: yeah well more of me might be under the table a litre of vodka (laughs) anything could happen and tablecloths that go to the floor I've got previous I get out of control that's why it's better I'm sat with you and Lou you can rein me in
0: (laughs) Uh, why do you think that's going to (laughs) happen
7: the opposite will happen (laughs) I'm going to go there I spoke to Katie today. She's there in the day. Just, She said it's mainly sorted now. I've put her onto this balloon guy, so he's coming to set the balloons up. She said she's going there about half one and half three to do the last bits, put the table settings out and that kind of stuff. Then she's going to get her makeup done at four, and then she's going straight back to the Civic because she said there's no point in going back to Renberry for half an hour. And Katie isn't drinking. Mm. Can you believe that shit?
0: She said that to me yesterday, and I'm like, that's not going to happen, though, no, Katie, is it?
7: She's driving, so she said so.
0: She's nick a car.
7: Or nick a keys. Throw her keys into the fruit bowl. That'll probably happen anyway. She is from Renbury. <laughs> There'll probably be a fruit bowl on the stage. Katie is the raffle prize. <laughs> if you get a five or a zero, you're going back to Renbury. Jobs are good Make
0: <laughs> sure you take a pizza with you as well.
7: Yeah, and a cap lamp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of see where she's coming from, because it's like first ever game for Cheshire or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. And has she been picked to start? she should be picked to start, hasn't she?
7: I can't imagine Katie would be done in even if she had a hangover. She'd still be good. <laughs> you come coming to that Magpies game, week on Sunday. The tan might be gone by then. It'll be gone by the end of it if it isn't gone at the beginning. There'll just be big patches of brown everywhere.
0: You look like it's a horrible skin condition.
7: Oh, God, don't even get me started. That happened to me. Did I tell you that? Have I never told you the story? I don't think so. Well, I'll cut it short because it's a long story. But basically, you know, I got rushed into hospital to have refurly at 28 weeks because I was really poorly. So they realized it was poorly because they did tests and things and my blood pressure was really high. And all of these things indicated to this thing called HELP syndrome. that's a really serious condition in pregnancy. But I had a spray tan on the morning before mm. the doctor's appointment, because it was a like a trial. So on the morning of the – it was the 28-week checkup day, and I was getting married in a couple mm. of weeks, and so I couldn't go on a sunbed. So I decided to have a trial spray tan to see if it would look right on the wedding. Went for a spray yeah. tan, completely forgot about it, and then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I went for the doctor's appointment, which is when they realized I was really poorly, needed to rush me to hospital. So yeah. I was in the bed – white sheets white bed completely forgot i had the spray tan because i didn't know what the fuck was going on with all these doctors running in and out and the tan had developed over the day because it takes like six to eight hours and i turned orange in front of their eyes they were bringing a specialist in I joined this. yeah I said to martin i can't weigh this up i don't even feel ill what is wrong all these doctors keep those charts on the wall they've all got clipboards <laughs> and they said they were bringing a specialist in from north staff and i was like why why I don't even feel ill, but they were bringing a specialist oh, in because they've never seen a skin condition like this before ever. And I, and I said, oh, my God, why didn't somebody just ask me? I had a spray tan at 9 o'clock this morning, and I turned orange in front of them. I went in white, <laughs> and within six hours, I looked like Usain Bolt. They couldn't weigh it up. <laughs> <laughs> could only happen to me. Completely forgot, and nobody dared say anything to me because they was so worried I had something really rare and I was dieting that no one would <laughs> say a word. And yeah, and they were all running in and out, stressed out, because I, I was white when I went in, and within a few hours, I was not white. I was completely orange. Oh, my God. I looked like an umpa lumper. <laughs> <laughs> of all the days to choose to have a spray tan, just happened to be the same day I got rushed into hospital.
4: Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref,
6: stupid ref. Oh, my God. So, a good few years ago now, when I played at Windsor, we had a home game. Don't ask me who it was against because it was ages ago, but I'll always remember the ref. I felt like the second half was dragging on and on and on. I'm like, oh, my God, this is longer than 40 minutes. It's ridiculous. I kept asking people on the sideline, how long have we got left? What's the time? I didn't want to go to the ref because he was doing his job and whatever. And, yeah, they were like, you're fine. You've got, like, another 20 minutes. I was like, okay, fine. Kept playing, 20 minutes. That felt like the world's longest 20 minutes, And then everyone was like looking at their watches and their mobiles and stuff. And I'm like, right, really? We ended up playing like for an extra 30 minutes longer than what we should have done. It was ridiculous. People were like going up to the ref going, we haven't had that (laughs) much injury time. People are looking at their phones, but obviously you don't want to mess with the ref because it's only the captain that goes up to the ref. And no wonder I felt knackered after that game. But it was just like, seriously, I think his stopwatch had gone or something, but it was the most hilarious match because I'm like, I've never played a rugby game for as long as that in my (laughs) life.
0: So when it starts getting dark and people are starting to use car headlights to light the pitch and things like that, then you start to think.
6: (laughs) (laughs) And it's nearly midnight and I'm like, oh, why can't I get a drink at the bar (laughs) because everyone's gone home?
0: (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) The other day we had a conversation with, with Joyce and Katie and Lou. I
7: saw Joyce in the pool. I've told you that, haven't I? Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. I was in the outdoor pool last week when I was there.
0: Really? What was she doing here?
7: Well, this is very bizarre because her new fella now thinks I'm cracked. If he didn't already, he had never met me before. So Joyce is swimming up and down in the full gear. We're talking rubber cap goggles a lot. Pro. Proper pro. Do you have a toe float, Eh?
0: A little float behind her oh, toe. Oh, yeah. One she, was,
7: it was, she had a shark fin. She wearing a shark fin. <laughs> I didn't realise it was Joyce, clearly, because I didn't know she went out dressed like that. Didn't Obviously didn't even know she'd be in Nantwich in the pool. She comes up for a breath and it was me. And she was like, oh, what are you doing here? And I saw you yeah, had been swimming every day for a few weeks and that. So we had a little chat and then this man popped up from under the water and he was just stood behind her over her shoulder listening to our full conversation. So I don't know this is Joyce's fella, because I've never met him before. I went, excuse me, are you just some weirdo stood listening to what we're talking about? Joyce goes, oh, um, yeah, this is my fellow. I went, oh, God, I'm really sorry. I said, I just thought you were a weirdo stood there listening in. There's a lot of them in Nantwich, and they seem to find me.
0: What's she doing in Nantwich in the middle of the week? That's what in I wanted In the to outdoor have. pool with a shark fin on. This is North Wales. Well, exactly. She's got a massive great lake three doors down from her. Very bizarre.
7: What's going Very on? Very bizarre. Secret dogging right. on the weaver.
0: That's what it sounds like to me. She's obviously been to some sort of convention.
7: Yeah.
0: The Nantwich doggers convention and kept it quiet. But no, we were chatting the other day about the end of season dinner that went wrong.
7: I'm still to this day, not entirely sure what went wrong. I've heard that many different versions. What kicked it off? I was probably dealing with Chops at the time. He was lining a pile of carrots, concerned that we were now <laughs> all banned from Nantwich Town. and We had to pick up the tablecloth cleaning bill and celebrating being player's player. Next thing you know, it all kicked off.
0: That's true. You were player's player that year, weren't you? Yeah,
7: I was player's player.
0: All anyone remembers is the fact that the entire team fell apart a day later. Yeah,
7: great. Stole my thunder. And Chubbs was lying in a pile of carrots.
0: That was not the first time, though, really, was it, for her? Didn't to chuck up all over the bar as well.
7: Yeah. Honest to God, I've still no idea what started it and all the days after that. What it was all about, I really don't. Because yeah. it sort of became well, like nobody can talk about it. It's So I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't fall out with anyone i, think, I still speak to everyone but it, the aftermath yeah. was shit
0: well that was it i was completely oblivious to it i left fairly late had a good evening thought it was a great gig thought joyce did a brilliant job putting it on i had no idea about the various collapsings and vomitings and i woke up the next day to absolute bedlam with my phone just going off like nobody's business coach had quit police involved all kinds of nonsense Yeah, just, so it was like christ what actually happened and what's interesting is all this time later whilst there's a fair bit of clarity i'm still none the wiser i'm not to how certain things ended up happening other than everyone just went off on one people involved just exploded for some reason so i
7: know
0: it's quite interesting
7: i don't even know where it even started where did the kickoff start in the venue in the car park or at the studio
0: Well, I walked past the people in question on the way home and they were stood on the corner by opposite Harrisons, now Kennedys, and I thought they were just having a chat. I didn't realise they were like basically threatening to kill each other.
7: I was possibly already in the studio at that point.
0: Yeah, I didn't go to the studio. I went home. Probably um, a
7: good move. I think by the time the others got to the studio, it had already all kicked off. I honestly don't, I don't know. Think it didn't even
0: took very long. I think it was all over and done within a matter of minutes, and the fallout was horrendous, well, pretty serious, wasn't it? Well, it, it hasn't Sorry. stopped
7: now, has it? Still, it's still it going now.
0: on. Absolutely. So, those of you listening, that have got end of seasons coming up. What's the best advice for avoiding that kind of situation from happening?
7: Or kicking off.
0: I think the top of the list is don't drink neat vodka.
7: No, that is definitely out of the bottle under the table. That's not a failure. I was doing that, and I didn't kick off with anyone. <laughs> I won a bottle. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was good. Cool. What was the
0: juicy for this is it probably all started from you. <laughs> you don't even know what happened, no. but somehow.
7: <laughs> I was leathered at the time.
0: Yeah, you just lit the match and it all just kicked off.
7: I was on the photo booth getting various shots of myself.
0: That reminds me of that time where Laura, remember, we had that really nice picture of the whole team together. You know, everyone in their finery. We had a, I think it was one of our maybe first or second seasons together. Yeah,
7: yeah. It was in the cricket bit, wasn't it, round the corner? That was
0: it. Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice picture. and Everyone was there. And thought I'd be, you know, really nice picture to stick on the clubhouse wall. Turns out Laura sat there with one of her tits hanging out.
7: On purpose.
0: On purpose. <laughs> so we couldn't use that picture. You
7: could have. You could have photoshopped something there, like a battered sausage.
0: Cockhead's face.
7: Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd have been good. Yeah. But they'd look the same. <laughs> you wouldn't have known the difference. Is it Cockhead's face or is it a tit? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same, but one's got eyes. <laughs> 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 That could be great in a magazine, you know, like Spot the Ball but Spot the Tit. Co- <laughs> and millions of cockheads face everywhere and you've got to put a cross on the wall. Gonna <laughs> get that on Dragon's <laughs> Den.
0: Like where's Wally? Where's Wally? Where's Booby? Yeah, where's
7: Titty? Thick,
0: big sea of cockheads' faces. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> got a letter in for you, Sherry, oh. again. Quite popular section this. Lots of people have commented on it. Go on to Shes. I hope you're well and that you finally managed to track down Jamie Roberts
7: I haven't I'm still looking I'm hoping it's at the end of season 2 tomorrow under the tablecloth
0: maybe that's what Katie's been working on yeah. this year She's had him like locked in, a, Securing in the back Roberts. of a yeah. Nissan for the last couple maybe of weeks
7: and serving the meal
0: that's it he's just going to take off his fake beard <laughs> at the end of the evening and like whisk you off I feel to, like for, I think he for, for a, I feel week, like for a I weekend in Pristatin or something yeah
7: I'm a celebrity <laughs> get out of my ear <laughs> yeah
0: anyway I must say, your deep admiration for him has prompted me to write to you. You're always full of brilliant insights and ideas and and are very much a role model for our team. Anyway, this is my dilemma. Like you, I'm madly in love with one of the men's team. He's a big slab of man, and if I spend too long in his presence, I find myself having to have a lie down and a change of underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, he's yet to notice me. I often see him chatting with the rest of the team, And although he has cast me the odd glance, I don't feel like I've got very far into my seduction of him. I'm also lacking a bit of confidence in this area too, and often find myself saying inappropriate things. Poor coach Dave thought he was in there last year when I made a suggestive comment about the pork loin main course. Anyway, as a woman with boundless confidence in the art of seduction, what advice can you give me to get him to notice me, and how do I handle my nerves when he finally does? Yours faithfully, Claire Seven Oak Sirens.
7: So he's a player at the club, is she a player? Yeah. Obviously, the best approach there is she needs to walk into the changing rooms during a men's game, obviously when he's in there, accidentally on purpose, play the old stunt card, possibly have a shower. It's an easy mistake to make. You know, if she's of a certain age, baby brain, that kind of thing, she could easily get Saturday mixed up with Sunday, think it was her <laughs> game, just wander in for a shower while he's there. <laughs> scrubbing himself down you just play dumb too late once you're in there and you're naked even if he pretends oh my god what are you doing and all that you know that still he's seen you in your finery and he's scarred now that vision is in his <laughs> mind and whether it's positive or negative it's there it's in his head you've just got to bite the bullet play it down oh my god I thought it was Sunday can't believe it they said we had a two o'clock kickoff. Easy. Isn't
0: there's no risk there though that the rest of the team might get involved
7: too well they might but it doesn't matter because initially it's too late. He's already seen her now naked and it might be exactly what he's looking for. It'll go to shit. There'll be a big kickoff in the club, probably a few yellow cards. But at the end of the day, he's seen her now with her kit off. And so once the dust settles, that's the vision he's going to be left with. Of all of it, that's the bit he'll remember. Probably make sure she was sacked back and cracked. She needs to be looking her best. When it happens, she might not get a second chance. Spray tan, <laughs> possible spray tan. I know someone.
0: You might want to have a spray tan a good week or so beforehand, though, because you wouldn't want to be in the shower and then the spray tan starts running. You start looking like some kind of you've got an upset monster stomach. from the Black Lagoon.
7: Yeah, <laughs> definitely that. The whole confidence thing, just have a few vodkas. That's it. Take the edge off. But you've got to get yourself in a situation where you can't like come across as too keen, so it's got to look like an accident that you accidentally ended up in the shower when he was with no clothes on or you'll go down as a raving nutjob. That is a mistake that anyone could make. It's a platform to start on. Obviously, it becomes a talking point, even if it doesn't work out right there and then. You've always got something to chat about in the bar to him. Oh, remember that time I accidentally walked into the shower and you were in there and I was naked? It could go on for years. It's something to talk about and it could look Very leave. good yeah, advice. I think that. That's how a secure they- No, not really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Claire at Seven Oaks. Yeah. Gotta pick your moment.
7: Yeah, j- just just make it look like an accident.
0: Bite the bullet. A couple of vodkas beforehand, bit of Dutch courage.
7: Couple of vodkas.
0: A bit of grooming beforehand.
7: Bit of groomings, possible spray tan, pedicure. Get in the shower, naked, on the wrong day, spy your moment, and then just play dumb. <laughs> so sorry. You've got something to talk about there, something to work with for the next few months. But you never know, it could go the other way. It literally you might just think, Jesus Christ, pull the curtain round and crack on. <laughs> just don't know do you if the moment takes him it might be exactly what he was waiting for we
0: make sure he's washed off all the deep heat first though
7: yeah i'd give him a few minutes to scrub down that might not end well (laughs) get his tape off and stuff you don't want any mess (laughs) and his strapping that needs to be gone
0: one thing i think was interesting you guys commented on earlier that i think is definitely worth exploring is the idea that some clubs just aren't right for some people and the overarching takeaway from that situation was that the people concerned were never quite right for our setup they had different ideas different opinions about what good looked like different ambitions as rugby players as well to some degree and it doesn't really matter what or how we went about things there was probably always going to be some kind of kickback and some complaint and what the at this end of the season incident did was flush it all out in one hit where it was gradually coming out piece by piece. And actually, like those people listening that are in this phase, which you will be, I'm sure, you'll find that teams do have these little fractures sometimes. And what can happen is if you've got a couple of, you know, I'm not going to say it, destructive influences within a squad, what often happens is the good people go. People that really should be staying with the team leave because they feel squeezed out and they don't feel culturally aligned, really, with the way the the team's going. And I think that's really serious. Sometimes
5: we lost what five players from our team at the fallout of that, and and some of it was they were it was natural progression for them, which you know the club fully supported. You know, Creenantrich is a grassroots rugby club; it's a feeder club. At the time, our goal was we will create really good players, and we want them to go off and do well, and then come back to us and impart all that knowledge on our youth section and bring them through. But what we would have had is probably 10 players, 15 players leaving if some of those other ones hadn't left. Sometimes it was kind of collateral damage. Is that the right word? Because there was such a divide in views and where it was. And that needs to really be set out at a club, AGM, at the beginning of the year. You know, you've got to, what is this club about? What is this team about? Are we going all nuts to the floor, fitness thing? or Are you going to smash everything and win everything? You know, and actually, some of your players might not want that. That might not be on their agenda. That might be not what your team wants. But you've got to have an objective. You've got to have aims of what you're going for. Is it just to get through the season and grow it and making sure that you've got a squad of 30 that you can pick from? Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just make sure everyone's on the same journey.
4: Do you know, we just sometimes feel like we're in our own bubble, but I'm absolutely certain this happens in most rugby clubs. Uh, It's just that it never really gets publicised. And we found that actually, whilst we've been on this podcast journey, that we've talked about stuff in our podcast episodes, and other teams have gone. Oh my god! Thank God it's not just us. Oh my god! We thought we we're the only ones. And we're so pleased to hear that it's not. I really do think. Whilst we think this has been a massive explosion, and this has been what's happened over the last couple of seasons has been like hard work and tough to handle sometimes. I think it's quite a common thing.
3: You've got fifty odd women, all training and all the and men together of yeah. different ages and abilities and backgrounds it's likely that you, at times you're going to clash or you're going to disagree or there's going to be friction within the squad and all that, the that people are naturally going to want to progress and move on but that's why I think that's right what Drew you've got to align you, and we always do that now we set out our goals at the start of the season sometimes you lose sight of those Through the season, but actually, it's good when you've got those things written down and you can reflect on them and you can remind yourselves of actually why you are where you are, what your purpose is, what you're trying to achieve. Helps keep everyone on the same page. And I know the men, the men have had a contract this season. Yeah, so their coach got them to sit down and do a players' contract and agree on the things they were going to do for the club and the things the club were going to do for them. So the club obviously provided showed the goods on their side and you know the men had to deliver on theirs and lo and behold like you know they've, they've absolutely smashed it so actually having something like that in place has been really effective for them but whenever there was times when perhaps you know as we all find in rugby you know where you have a couple of bad games or a bit of a wobble they've had that to reflect on the coach has been able to pull that out and go right okay so this is what you agreed to why is it not happening and there's a really good atmosphere between them. I think having, like Doris mentioned as well, we at the time when we went through all those bits and Bob, we didn't have a director of rugby, and I think that has made a big impact because there wasn't really a huge amount of, there wasn't a lot of support for you, Nick. Obviously, but I think Graham and, and Nick sort of share the load quite well between them.
5: Yeah, I was spread too thin. We didn't, um, no fault of anyone's own, and and probably in in some ways just wanted to make sure we'd done a, a good job. I probably was. Involved in way too many things. So, really, in hindsight, you know, that fallout, it should have just sat with the two coaches, you know, sort your men's team out, sort your women's team out, right? You can't sort it. Go to director rugby. Director rugby can't sort it right now. It's going to the chair. And in some ways, it's like a business. You've got to have that chain of command. It's like customer complaint, isn't it? You know, you don't go straight yeah. to the top head off. You, you know, you've got to kind of go through a process. And there wasn't really a process, it wasn't a greed process of what you do. So again, you know, it was a lesson learned. And, you know, the RFU took stuff away from it. Other people took stuff away from how we handled it, what we did. I went into full business mode, right? I'll have statements off everybody. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll remove the emotion. We'll deal with facts. I think you kind of had to, though, at the time.
0: The one thing I'd say as a coach is, like, don't let winning get in the way of really taking a critical look at your squad and the dynamics. I think that's definitely the learning I took away from it. Was that we were so obsessed with winning and getting ourselves out of the league, into the high league, and winning the cup and all the rest of it, that all of these issues that we knew about, we kind of put to one side. And what it meant was is that the players involved that were very good rugby players maybe were dictating terms of engagement a little bit more than they should have done, therefore alienating the vast majority of the squad. So whilst I wouldn't necessarily go back in time and not win those things, because I think it was a great experience, I think I should have listened to my gut a little bit more. And when players were you know, holding a knife to your throat saying, if this doesn't change, I'm going, really what I should have said was, well, this is our club. This is how we do things. Maybe it's not right for you rather than, okay, I'll bend over backwards and, and take a load of shit because, you know, this is how you want the world to look and it isn't right.
5: I didn't realise you'd been held a knife point, back. When did that happen? Last end of season, two. Right, it's when he went dogging with Sherry. That's when that happened. It was a terrible night. You sure, that wasn't. It was in Wimbury. I'd shift
3: at Kennedy's <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dip my head that in might be the Lou thing about fryer Lose news in a minute.
3: In it.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice
0: segue in. Yes, Lose news. grassroots news with Lou.
4: So I just wanted to actually give a little bit of background for our millions of listeners to our earlier chat of Kennedy's restaurant and all that sort of stuff. I've just opened a restaurant last week and actually it's with two people who I've met through rugby. So it's with Nick and Emma Kennedy and I've actually met Nick first through rugby and he was um, one of the first Ladies rugby coaches for crew and non but we got on really well, and it kind of grew from there. i then met his wife Emma, who actually we thought her name was Doris for quite some time.
5: But that was like- yeah, I still do. I did. That that was quite a surprise finding that out the other week that she's not called Doris. Uh, she's like, actually,
4: my name's Emma. What? Oh, anyway, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that actually I'm opening a restaurant, which is one of my absolute life dreams with two people who I've met who are part of my rugby family. So not just through chance and whatever, it's just through rugby family that this has happened. So I just wanted
5: to give a bit of background in that, really. We were talking about the fallout of clubs, but there's also massive benefits of a club. So in my previous life, before I was exiled over to North Wales and hid away exiled from exiled yourself
4: to North Wales.
5: <laughs> yeah, I would have been evicted anyway at some point. I had a business that I ran for software and... 90% of my team were rugby players from the club, from Crew and Nantwich. And there is no better interview ground than a, a game on a Sunday afternoon to see how people cope under pressure, how they cope with the teammates, how they communicate, how they don't communicate, how they tick. Um, how they deal with
0: referees, a.k.a. tyrannical bosses like yourself, Joyce.
5: Exactly, yeah. You know, and there were some people that were quite surprised of some of the people I employed from our team. But you know what? It was the making of them having a little bit of faith in somebody and seeing and it's um you know like Lou probably got half of the under 13s 14s and 15s washing up and pe- waiting on tables yeah for and exactly you. and if you haven't, I get haven't on it. I've yeah, actually got
4: Chez says one of Chez's daughters Regan working for me in the kitchen as one of my main
5: kitchen kids So, she hasn't got the ginger one, you're all right. I mean, just imagine having the the ginger one. Do
4: you know what? Regan's ace because, not just because I know a mum and a dad, but because actually she's got rugby values, which is work hard, be respectful, and just do the best you can. It's rugby values, I think, that makes her into a a super employee. I'm not sure I ever got uh,
3: Regan's rugby values when I worked at the same school as her. Because you were known as Clipboard Nancy, that's I think what. she had a different set of values there.
0: <laughs> did she roll her eyes at any point? <laughs>
3: the school ones. She did have a range of names for me as well. i am
5: seeing a the theme here. There seems to be some kind of um, <laughs> there seems common denominator in all of these things. <laughs> After you
3: employed all those rugby people, did your business go down the pan?
5: No. That's
4: that's not why you migrated. Look, it's only been open a week, knobhead. <laughs> and well, then Joyce's
0: well. uh, business.
3: <laughs> she employed the rugby team, no. we drove it
2: sold sold into the millions, and,
3: and retired.
4: It was offered a compromise
0: agreement to go quietly.
3: <laughs> Bought a bike guy's shop in
4: Wales. I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> so the next thing for uh, Lou's news is that um, Menick and Emma are closing our restaurant on Saturday to all attend the end-of-season dinner. It brings me on to my sort of next thing, but ties it all in, because what I've been seeing a lot on the Rugby Network is that, you know, everyone's worried about what do you wear to end-of-season dinner. And also, there's been quite a lot of chat in our WhatsApp group and stuff about which is the best fake tan, and, oh you're getting your nails done, and, oh, what about your hair? And Well, I can tell you, first off, what I'll be doing I'll be mainly cooking burgers till approximately 5pm, whiz home, have a very quick shower and then head back down to the Civic for the end of season dinner. I've not put very much thought into what I'm going to wear, apart from, you know, as a backup, I did buy a black dress for a a funeral recently, which I'll probably (laughs) unbutton one of the buttons at the top. Show a bit of boobage, uh, tits and teeth. Jobs are good, Are
0: you also going to be using the griddle as your very own private tanning salon? Yeah,
5: or maybe the burger grease body butter (laughs) just under that halogen plate warmer all day tomorrow on Saturday (laughs) yeah you know like that that kind of corned beef effect you used to get if your gran used to sit in front of the electric fire that'd be loose.
4: I've been um, putting the pass on maximum heat so that you know I'm trying to get as good a facial tan as possible
5: oh you'd be like a little chick hatching
0: I
4: currently look like a raging alcoholic more than normal because my face is so bright
5: red and my arms are covered a self-harming raging alcoholic
0: you have like a reverse skiing tan, <laughs> rather than the panda eyes, you're yeah. actually going to have just black eyes because yeah. <laughs> the rest of yeah. you is just covered with a sheen of grease. I
4: mean, I've had a piece of batter on my cheek for about four hours this afternoon, and nobody told me until I touched my cheek and went, you know, "Oh my god, like, what is that?"
5: Up. It was crusty. Oh, well, they all saw it. They just thought they wouldn't That's tell exactly you. It, I mean, Joyce, like, yeah. you. I mean, would you have told no, somebody? They didn't tell yeah. me. I'm just
3: imagining you to have batter in your eyebrows. Please <laughs> have batter in your eyebrows, <laughs> crusted on. <laughs> And everyone going, what is
4: that smell? Yeah. Don't sit me next to the person <laughs> with celiac disease.
0: You're like a walking peanut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. no
3: licking of Lou on Saturday, uh, everybody. Don't no cancel. But Lou, despite those um, challenges, you are going to be there by 6.29 at the latest, aren't you? What?
4: Is that the time that I've got to be there?
3: It's 5.30 start. Okay. So if I were you, I wouldn't even bother with the shower. I'd just come straight <laughs>
4: Just yeah. put a dress
3: on in the morning. Put an apron on. Work all day in the kitchen. And you can just take your apron
5: off and come straight in. I'll bear that in mind <laughs> as one of the options. And to be honest, by by six thirty-five, no one will give a shit what anyone else looks like, and no one does. Everybody always looks lovely.
3: Katie, okay, so you
0: better start brushing your hair now, wouldn't
3: you? <laughs> no, you have reminded me actually. No, I'm having my hair put up. You haven't even heard the drama. Sherry's been trying to get me a a hair appointment. But I've managed to get one. But it's quite pricey. You should just come here. They'd shear' you.
0: <laughs> yeah, just go yeah. see
3: <laughs> It's going to be quite pricey, but I'm hoping that I'm paying for quality.
0: You should go for hair straightened.
3: No, I look like a man in drag. It's my hair brushed. Never looks good. So, no, hopefully there will be no brushing and I'm not getting my makeup done. I did that one year and I really oh, did look like I was wearing drag. You did. You did, actually. You <laughs> I did. I mean, you could have like got
4: it. And then you cried. and It looked worse.
5: You did look beautiful, but it was a bit stronger. No, I looked like a bag of shit that had been hit yeah, with a rolling pin. Barbara Cartland had done it herself. Eyes it closed. It was horrendous. <laughs> you
0: look know, like you've been embalmed rather than made up.
5: No, yes, so there'll be, be no makeup. There's no skin on show whatsoever. I
0: mm-hmm. want to
5: see how Dub Dub self tanning works out. It is going wow, to be I a moment of like that. Ross from oh, Friends, my isn't gosh, it? Yeah. <laughs> and then if she's playing on the Sunday,
4: we'll really get to see it in the true light. Yeah. I am. Um, Cooking at Kennedy's on Sunday morning from 9:30 a.m. So American pancakes and
3: vom. Oh, <laughs> lovely! Oh, It'll remind me of those days when you used to coach Diddy rugby <laughs> and in the morning.
4: Oh my God! And
3: how savoury they were!
4: Yes, yes. What a lovely, oh, lovely time of day at the weekend. But
5: well, just thank God you're in the kitchen, so when you belch pure, you know, <laughs> pure oh. vodka out. you can whip yourself up
3: some lunch.
4: I won't feel like eating any lunch
3: I think I'm actually driving To it, not home Yes, there I'm back Shut up Partly because I've got to take the babysit home when I get back That's a schoolgirl error After the hangover I had yesterday And to be fair, I didn't wallow, I did do stuff But even cutting the grass in the garden was a challenge So I thought that I can't play rugby on a hangover anymore
0: <laughs> No I can't do it Getting old, mate
3: yeah. I'm very old <laughs>
2: everyone sorry i couldn't be on the podcast this week i'm currently sun up in lovely turkey but i hope you enjoy this podcast i do have a few shout outs to read out for our lovely listeners big congratulations to rugby journalist stella mills who in addition to playing a big role in the reporting of the women's game at both international and prem level managed to pass the driving test after trying for seven years that's a massive accomplishment Congratulations, Stella. Another shout-out to Sarah Seven-Shits Hemmings. Big love to her from Exeter Saracens and a friend of the show on being voted Player's Player of the Season at the Season Awards. Great job for you there. And a congratulations to our first competition winners, Lawston. On receiving their brand new shirt courtesy of Halbro, can't wait to see the pictures, and I hope you enjoy them. Thank you for entering the competition. And lastly, a big shout out to North Bristol R.U.F.C. ladies on making it to the championship after winning their league in National Challenge One Southwest, winning all but one of their games and scoring an incredible 961 points in the process. That's absolutely amazing. Well done to you girls, and well done to you all.
0: This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. Joyce. Yes. In Molly's absence, grassroots salutes.
5: Well, it's not really a grassroots salute, is it? But I think we're well, do doing it need, then. Well, is it in the Six Nations we need to talk about? Yeah. And then the Englands. How the red roses have been you know, they were unbeaten for how. Should we
0: start days? again so you can give it a bit more punch and excitement than somebody talking about the menu in old people's home?
5: Okay, <laughs> let's go again.
0: Jan Roly-Poly for tea. Yeah. And all that shit. So, right. okay, Joyce, yes. in Molly's absence, over to you for grassroots salute.
5: Well, the only salute we can really do this year is really is the women's team, isn't it? The Red Roses, who an incredible unbeaten, what, 24 successes victories to take the Grand Slam on Saturday against France. Amazing.
0: That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And I think overall, this Six Nations, the standard of everything, the rugby, the coverage, the punditry was. Really, really excellent.
5: I saw a statistic about the women's rugby televised and against how many thousands had watched the game versus the Arsenal game that was on. I mean, I don't know anything about football, so it may not be Arsenal. I don't know. But it was something like the equivalent of 80,000 people had tuned in to watch the women's rugby versus 50,000 to a massive football game. And I'm like, that is amazing. That is absolutely fantastic. Well, wow, that's really
4: good. And, like, do you think that might be because it's been properly
5: televised
4: this time?
5: Yeah, it's not hidden away on some random S4C channel somewhere because it doesn't run parallel with the men's Six Nations, which is kind of good in a way because, you know, this you're not shadowed by that. It's kind of got its own following now and it's got its own footing without having to kind of hold on to the tails of men's rugby. It's the women's Six Nations which is fantastic. I mean, the only downside of it, it, was like there was an article about the island. They haven't got there. They're not played. their players and they're saying how hard it is, you know, to play a Six Nations game and then go to work and do a 12-hour shift. I mean, that's brutal. Playing on a Sunday afternoon in a fairly middle league game, Monday morning rugby bus was brutal, but then playing at that level in that intensity.
3: Yeah. We play going
0: on today is is a crematorium. Or Pim and Pams. <laughs> but it's still a massive challenge
4: for women's international rugby though.
0: The difference is startling, isn't it, between the quality of the England and French teams compared to the others. And much as I'd like to see more competitive rugby, I think in some respects having England and France dominating as was it predicted, it really does send a loud and clear message, doesn't it, to the other unions that if you want to keep coming, third, fourth, fifth and punking out the World Cups in the early rounds carry on as you are if you want to actually give women's rugby a chance at the, the elite level then spend some money on it you know
5: it's very different in Wales of how they're configured. They have academies, they have centre of excellence, which is fine, but they only have like equivalent of like seven teams. So there's not that growth. You're not starting at kind of a real grassroots, let's just get fit, run around. We're not aiming for the Six Nations players. They're, they're very much channeled on, we're going to build the next amazing team. England's women's rugby is leagues ahead of other the nation, so Ireland, for example, and Wales, you know, massive difference.
0: Yeah. I think what has changed though is I think the men's game, in terms of the skills, uh, fitness levels and tactics, evolved very, very slowly in men's over, you know, a long period of time. Whereas women have obviously had all of the learnings and experience gained from the men's game and it's compacted it. So if you watch men's rugby from the nineteen eighties even when I, when I can sort of remember watching it. The England men's team now would put 100 points on that team, probably, because of the sheer physicality, fitness, speed, tactical ability that they've got. Women's rugby hasn't been, been allowed to develop and incubate slowly over a period of time. It's been accelerated dramatically by all of the sports science and monitoring and GPRS and all that kind of stuff that goes into it, which means that the women have had to attain high levels of fitness and physicality overnight almost, and then go back to work on a Monday morning. You know, so I get the argument that women's rugby needs to play at its own pace and not expect too much and all this sort of stuff. I agree with that. But equally, there's another side of it which says they've had this fast forwarding of all of the uh, stuff that men's rugby took decades to, to evolve into.
2: I think
5: it's about kicking I and mean, being a kicker and, and launching. Girls, we don't do it. We do now a lot more, but boys, they're taught from a very early age, um, just kicking a ball, kicking a ball, kicking a ball, and that power in that. And so you've, you've got that to step up as well. It's not a physical, physicality thing, it's a skill, and it's a learned skill, isn't it? The motor skills that we get, even now, between male and female, are very different.
0: Well, that takes us to the end of episode 20. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please buy us a coffee on www kohmf ficom forward slash grassroots rugby pod and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the Roots Up.